You're listening to The Dude Grow Show, coming straight out of Denver, Colorado, bringing you marijuana grow knowledge, news, and culture. At the tone, the time will be 4.20. Exactly. What's growing on Wednesdays? You know, it's every day of the week, actually. What's growing on, right, Scotty? Oh, yeah, man. There's something growing on every day of the week. That's for sure, man. In Canada, in the world of cannabis, here. man, there is news happening all day long, bro. <laughs> yep, but that, but with that, no news today. That will be Friday's show. If you don't know what's growing on today, we're bringing in just a little bit of whatever the hell we have growing on in the cannabis community, as well as what's going on in our grows. A little recharge it up. And just kind of, kind of hanging out, you know, hanging out and talking, talking, grow. Absolutely. Help maybe a little, a few grow tips, help you grow your own, your own dank, and um, yeah, take it, take it from there. So getting into it here, let's see. Let me, let me, let me pull up our uh, our official agenda, man. Format. How are you gonna get into agenda? It, man? What I do mean, you like better, agenda? We we gotta we gotta start with the guardian talk, bro. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I will agree with that. I was so much angrier uh, before guys, I got stoned, go ahead. man. Now I'm like less angry and more mellow. Speaking of that, <laughs> okay, you talk about the Guardian talk just a little bit. Talk about, give a preview of what's coming up and let me hit my... Uh, sure, man. I mean, I was freaked out here. as anybody when we found out that Guardian secretly contained ivermectin. Uh, so we got some experts on. I called two entomologists... And uh, just kind of figured it all out, man. <laughs> Turns out that ivermectin isn't uh, this terrible poison. Uh, well, I don't know. I should say it's a terrible poison to bugs. But, um, man, people eat it. You know, people drink it, I should say. Uh, they use it to con- control, like, worms and parasites and horses, animals, and a lot of people around the world. So Shit, man, you can go over to WebMD. Look about iver- ivermectin's taken orally, and don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here trying to. No, you know, and I don't want you to smoke it, and I'm as Guardian. pissed as anybody. But you know, I was a little bit more relieved to find out at least it's something that people eat, you know, or ingest. And it's actually, uh, we're going to find out. Doctor Tom's going to give us the history. We call Doctor Tom entomologist, grow more as a global sales. I don't know, leader or chief, whatever the hell. But um. He's also an entomologist. Global man. sales chief executive yes. officer. How about I that? I don't think so. I think <laughs> you just combined two, two very hard jobs together, man. Two dissimilar yeah, jobs, did. man. But uh, <laughs> anyway, man, he was uh, really informative. So we're, I'm going to jam that in in the middle of the show. Uh, what else we got, man? A lot of stuff, man. We talked to J.R. Token a little bit, man. That's, that's a pretty good segment on this show. So we got, got a lot of good stuff uh, going on, man. Oh, you're putting you're putting Jr. on this show because we got Wes as well. Oh my gosh, um, you're right. He's hanging out, you can get the yeah. So we had Wes from Emerald Scientific. Um, Emerald Scientific, uh, I think they sell supplies for uh, extraction industry as well for testing, all kinds of stuff. But we just chatted about overall need for uh, you know testing and standardization, 
etc. So we'll see. You guys, either way, you're going to hear from Wes and Dr. Tom. It's going to be a long, great what's growing on. Some good response to the Guardian nonsense. Uh, we're going to try and figure out. I mean, we should get. The people that ordered Guardian, I mean, it's you're not going to have much recourse with them. You're not going to have any recourse with them. Their website's down. Um, I'm sure they're tucking their tails and trying to avoid lawsuits that are coming their way is what I'd think. If you guys got a problem uh, with the I mean, Guardian man. that you ordered from me, hook up with me, man. I lost on it big time as well. But, you know, just hook up with me, man. I'll make any, everything right for all y'all, man. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, that, that would be a... <coughs> a good thing and i do have coming up on what's growing on somebody brought up another um i mean why not for today a uh, plant product that i want to talk about that's for uh, deterring and taking care of pests so we always got to have i want to have one that you know because it's such a big issue with gardens i want to have at least one product good. or two i'm glad you're bringing a new official one because i've been fucking pest. burned man it's like bringing a new chick around the week <laughs> you know, day after some chick just broke up with you man uh-uh uh-uh they ain't, i ain't ready yet bro <laughs> Now, I'm going to tell you, man, I, 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 when I spoke to my entomologist friend who was really pretty negative on our industry, she comes from, I think I said this before, but she comes from, you know, big tobacco, not big tobacco, big uh, ag, you know, going and finding what's eating the uh, soy crop, you know, or what's eating the uh, grape crop, you know, and she's really into beneficials and she's really into this uh you know, circle agriculture, and really wasn't impressed with what she sees. Even we went over to an anonymous website. We just went over to a, a website talking about bugs for cannabis. First thing they're talking about is imidacloprid. She's like, dude, imidacloprid it, you know, just leaves everything wide open, so the bad guys come back way before the good guys will come back, you know, as far as beneficial predators. She's like, you're wiping out mm-hmm. everything, and then the pathogens come back way quicker, man, so you're screwed. You're defenseless, man. Like, uh, imidacloprid is one of the dumbest things you can put on your plants she's telling me you know if you're if as long as you're not going to just continually put it on there but it was just really interesting hearing her opinion on the uh, state of the industry where she was like you know what dude i'll help you know like she called me back i i emailed her it's a girl i know from uh, high school honestly and she became like a world-renowned entomologist you know worked for disney works for you know I think she flew like 200 days out of this year. She's all booked out for months and months at a time. But I'm lucky enough where we're just old friends. She'll return my call. And she returned my call this time, lightning quick. And she goes, dude, something has to be done in your industry because somebody's going to get hurt. And it's going to be really bad press. She's like, I don't want to. It's it's bad for everybody. For her, she's just getting into this industry, so she has to justify helping cannabis growers to her super, you know, uh, conservative, you know, ag people that are that are her bread and butter customer. Uh, she doesn't want to be saying, "Oh yeah, well, it, it's it's an industry that's loaded with poisons, and they're always pulling, you know, loaded with recalls, and they're always pulling toxins off the shelf, and they're making concentrates out of out of uh, pesticide-ridden materials, and all this shit that in you know whether you're growing soybeans or corn, I mean, in, in corn, man, they look for that aflatoxin, which is like a it's basically like they, they're, they're powdery mildew, I'll say. But if some of that goes and contaminates the, a silo, you know, it just turns the whole silo to shit, man. So they're super vigilant about that. They've been vigilant about that shit for yeah. years, man. We don't have that infrastructure set up yet, man. You know, we're just these fledglings. We're just coming out of the garages. And a lot of the people that are growing our cannabis were trained in garages and, and extra bedrooms. So it's kind of screwy, man. And if you want to... <coughs> Good, good segue to if you do want to learn, still, still time, still chance to get a ticket over there to the Emerald Conference, which will be starting tomorrow in Las Vegas. 
uh, coupon code DGC, Dude Grows Crew 50, will get you $50 off the ticket, and that's at theemeraldconference.com. There are, it looks like 20 tickets left now, and last time we covered it, there was 39 or something. So, and it's not a huge conference. I think he said it was like, I don't know, 300-something, 400 people, uh, you know, that and a lot of speakers um, and a lot of information to be had if you're going to get into this industry on the commercial level. Yeah, so. it sounds like with 400 people, though, if you go there, it might, might be easy enough to make an impact. You know, you say a couple intelligent things and go shake the right people's hands, and uh, all of a sudden you might get remembered. <laughs> well, I didn't even know we jumped. You were kind of, I, I scrolled down our agenda here to... Uh, to what's going on, Scotty, and you just did part of it. We didn't even, didn't even have a chance to put a song in, oh, man. Hold on. I mean, come on. Do it, man. I, lo- I love that beautiful music. Play that Marvin Gaye music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to hear it here one time. We'll be right back. Charged up and feeling right It's time to answer questions About growing weed without the hype We've got to plant the seeds today To make all my stoner homies say So, so what's growing on is fucking you... Guardians throwing salt in my game, man. It fucking ruined my days, man. I started <laughs> thinking about that shit, man. I, I was pretty pissed in the sense that I was, uh, you know, I was using that in a Fogmaster Junior outside. All, you know, it was all up on my arms. I was, you know, not breathing it directly, but indirectly. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't really care because this is all natural, you know. And yep. Cinnamon ish esque, dude. But okay, here's one. I, uh, I'm still. I'm. I have no fear of ivermectin. I eat that shit for breakfast. All right, but here's a. No, my what friend who's to the say? entomologist was saying she goes. Oh, and, and there's all this, uh, uh, like uh, deception out there that just because it's natural doesn't mean it's not dangerous. She's as she was telling me. She goes, dude. In in other industries, cinnamon oil is highly toxic. She was talking about how, uh, how how like they use cinnamon oil and it's. Uh, you don't want it on your plants. You don't want to be volatizing uh, cinnamon oil either, man. You know, there's all sorts of shit that if you smoke it, it's toxic. She was even saying neem as far as fucking leaving it on your plants. And, and, and you know, of course, we know you don't use it in, in flowering because it fucks up the taste. But, yeah, all these things leave residues. And it was pretty, pretty interesting, man. It's pretty interesting. <clears throat> well, let me uh, give a couple quick shout outs before I get into before we both get into more of what's growing I'm on. I'm already into it, uh, man. Primetime <laughs> prime, prime supporters. Spectrum King LED right. guys. If you want to run an LED light, check them out. I am on my third run with them. 
If nothing else, I would always just talk up. I have not seen this quality, this trichome production, and any other lighting I've ran. I have not run a 315, but I have run, of course, T5, HID, HPS, Metal Halide, Straight Plasma, which, man, that one actually, the plasma on its own gives unbelievable frostiness, but you really lose yield, at least in my experience. Um, And, uh, yeah, check them out, man. uh, Coupon code DUDESK if you guys are picking up a couple. And uh, they have some new products coming out. I'm excited to get Brendan and Orr back on the show. I want to hear what they have coming out here. Absolutely. And I'll have another video for you guys uh, shortly as well. I love I love taking the LED videos so I can go have fun and just laugh in the comment section. People getting fired up. <laughs> Dude. This one's the best. That one's the best. This one's the best. You're not using COB, man? Come on. What? Anyway. <laughs> It's good. It's good. It's a good way to push it, push the industry. I mean, it's it's moving quick, and if it was not a lot of commentation and people figuring it out, hopefully we'll get to where we want to be, which will be a Spectrum King LED for four ninety nine. Good luck, man. (laughs) You know, it's got it. That's it. When I always say, if you add everything up, though, you do see. You know, make yourself a little spreadsheet with cost, bulb replacement, hours ran, how much you're paying for everything on your conventional lighting, and then compare it to uh you know even spectrum loss etc your led lighting and you can most of the time justify your investment absolutely man just think about how you don't have to buy an air conditioner you can run a 400 watt or 440 watt led uh just with the you know circulating the air in a room man you probably run two or three of them yeah so oh executive producer ryan 89 89 uh, Ryan, I noticed, has become a uh, new member. Appreciate that, man. Definitely uh, dig the support. Membership, guys, is nine ninety five a month. That gets you into our restricted content. And it makes me I sound like I'm talking about porn or yeah, something. Yeah, man. Um, goes on in that restricted <laughs> room, man. You need a gold key to get in there, man. And, uh, you know, also helps pay the bills around here, if you will. And uh, definitely appreciate it. The guys' members are, are, are definitely getting... I won't say, you know, to the front of the line. I like to help everybody. But when I get an email come across that says, hey, I'm a member and this is going on with my garden, I jump on those uh, a little bit quicker. Hey, I'm guilty of that. Too. Those who support us get, get support back, man. That's all I can say, man. That's just the, the law of reciprocation. Don't be, don't be mad at human nature, brah. And, yeah, I did give you a bra J- just for point break re-release, man. <laughs> I'm bringing bra back for the right, point what? break re-release. What uh, what do you got going on? I see you, you are loving DudeGrows.com currently. <laughs> Damn, and, you want me to stay on So what are you loving about today, the website? Man? No, man, I was just over. I was talking to, uh, I think it was Mr. Kyle OG Widow himself, man. But we were just bullshitting. He was like, hey, man, congrats on DudeGrows.com, man. It's really, you know, everybody's doing it, man. And I'm like, dude, they are doing it. You're right. Dude, it's an awesome place. I've been hanging out each morning. I go over there. Uh, there's playlists, man, that are that are shit that I don't even remember I said. Um, there's new strain reviews. I was seeing there's i I'm going to review one in a little bit. I'll, I'll keep it I'll keep true to format, man. And uh, the dude tube is working, man. I, I actually added it as a segment in the show. Dude tube, The huh? dude tube is, I, I just right. ask folks to embed videos of things that they're watching on YouTube. You know, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Digger put one out where he goes, Oh man, I saw this guy do it or build a really cheap flood and drain table. You know, like just with uh, like shower pan liner or it looked like it was p- uh, pond liner he was using and just wood where he just built a frame and then, you know, surrounded it with pond liner or just, I don't know, when, when you put it inside and uh, glued, glued mm-hmm. it down. And it was cool as fuck, man. It was really inexpensive, you know, to, to build this. And, 
Yeah, man, there's one I'm looking right now, how to make Quizzo, which is that ISO shatter wax. Let's, uh, man, I got to check that out. I want to see what the quality of that is because I might want to make that out of my, uh, what the hell do they call that, the magical butter. I think you can make that, that Quizzo out of. Where is the the dude tube? It's in the it middle. Just, I it's know dudegrows right dot com. Just right, stay all over on the homepage. Right, it's uh, no coincidence. Right next to the recharge banner, man. <laughs> it's right, right, right in the middle. Right, we'll, I will say this website is a little busy, but there's just so much good shit. I just like you know Facebook. You go on there, you just keep scrolling and scrolling. It's kind of how I use this website now, man. Dudegrows dot com, and uh, yeah, good stuff, man. I tell you what, them uh, them memes make me laugh. There's some good shit. We got some <laughs> creative motherfuckers funny. there, man. Cody Chronic, keep going, brother. I love them memes. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me talk about what I got growing on here. Come on. Uh, we're going, in, going into, this is from The Sage, man. He wants to know pros and cons of legalized, regulated marijuana. I'm kind of, let me read it here. Dude, it's Scotty saying, what's going on from Nova Scotia? Whoa. I don't know if I did that good enough. Nova Scotia. Scotia. Uh-oh. Canada. Good luck, man. Home you, of you Alexander. You never get positive reviews of your, uh, uh, of your accents, man. I was just up, up in Canada, actually. We used the, uh, the magic of podcasting. Uh, Monday's show was pre-recorded because I don't always announce when I'm going out of town, you know? Yo. And uh, it was freezing. Absolutely, it did not get above negative five Fahrenheit where I was in Winnipeg, Manitoba, visiting my grandmother of 99 years old. But man, I just had to say that because now, now when I hear Canada, I think, oh my God! Like walking from the car to the store for 10 seconds was painful. Anyway, yeah, I think people uh, get the wrong idea about Colorado. I don't want to let it out there too much, but I had my sliding glass door open today, man, and uh, it was beautiful. (laughs) It was mid 40s or something, man. Absolutely beautiful out here. Colorado's all over the place. It could be a week of hitting the 50s right right where we're at right now, and then it can be a week of not getting above 10. Yeah. So, keeps it interesting. you got to have an eclectic clothing collection. And I'll blame global warming either way, man. It's that global warming, man. <laughs> Back to the point here. He's from Nova Scotia, Canada, home of Alexander Keith Donaires and, Ricky, and Rickyisms for you Trailer Park Boy fans. We love our chicken fingers, rum and cokes, and good dope up here, boys. All right. <laughs> Hell yeah. Listen to the show every podcast and still trying to catch up on all the back episodes anytime I'm in my truck or shop. Canada is on the verge of legalization. I wanted to get the opinions of some seasoned growers living in a state which it has been hopefully similarly legalized. I'm sure there are a lot of Canadian listeners up here. Let us know what to expect. What are the pros of legalization? What are the cons? What can we look forward to or the challenges? How has it changed your guys' lives? Anyways, boys, <laughs> love the show. Thanks. I really want to get an uh, authentic Canadian to read it. So it's, like, <laughs> so it's And legit. I've been thinking about now that I say that, getting uh, you guys, I heard on a, there's another, the Radio Lab podcast actually has a voicemail <laughs> set up. I was thinking about getting a voicemail for you guys out there. So sometimes when you just feel like calling in instead of me and Scotty talking, we can actually play your questions. Now I know Scotty's thinking that might add a bit of work to his editing job, but now and then I'd like to get some voicemails up on the show, you know? Absolutely. I ain't got no problem with it, dude. Give, uh, out, so give out your number, man. Give out your number. I'll call. 
what do you notice with legalization that happened here in Colorado? You know, what are your, I mean, the pros are, are fairly obvious. Well, well, I don't feel. Like I don't know I if we can be. really draw parallels yet because they're talking about federal legalization, which is completely different than just our state yeah, legalizing true. it. Man, we have nowhere to go to bank. You know, we're we're kind of in this weird. You know, we we started the movement. Now <laughs> we're hoping that the. Uh, you know, that that the movement follows us, man, because if the banks don't fall in line, we got problems. And if the federales don't don't yeah. fall in line, you know, who's to say we don't get a, a new president with a, a new agenda and all of a sudden he goes, I hate this shit. I hate what happened the last eight years with cannabis, man. Let's, uh, you know, let's see what we can do to reverse it. So, you know, we got to be real, real I think careful. Let people here. grow in Canada, though. I don't I don't think they're going to let people grow. Yeah, are I they? thought that was the I don't know I, that off the top. I of my thought head. that was the rub. And that's what I mean. I don't know how to compare it because we don't have Marlboro growing our, our, our medicine yet. You know, and I say yet. But I mean, right now it's still I'm thinking of like I was watching this video recently, man. Was it a. I wish I remembered the name of it. I'm sorry. I actually went and checked the name of it and still forgot it, man. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it was just all about the Colorado marijuana economy, and it was pretty eye-opening, man. It was definitely pretty honest, you know, and they were, they went to, like, Medicine Man, who was, like, I think they were saying, like, like 120. Just to let you guys know, yeah. before we started the show, Scotty actually had to go check his TV to remember the name of that show, and now he has forgotten it I again. I didn't write it down so that's, or that's put one it of the, in long term. That's memory. one of the cons of marijuana legalization. That's one of the cons right there. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> anyway, definitely go fucks. ahead. You were watching the cable show. It fucks up your memory. And man. I interrupted you. Yeah, now I don't even remember what I was talking about there, dude. I'm about to say, <laughs> uh, you, should we just move on? Can you actually go back in your brain about 15 you seconds? You try to TiVo it back? <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know. I was just watching this show. No, I have no idea what the fuck I was talking about now. You were telling me, like, the, uh, I don't know, normalization, but it's a show about kind of like how it's being accepted a bit more instead of being, you know, the earlier shows were more like the Wild West of, you know, cannabis in Colorado calling us the Wild West and shit. So what did you see in this Yeah, show? I mean, like, they went to, I think, okay, I got it. Thanks for bringing me back, brother. You did good, man. You did good. Yep, yep. I had rewind. I was it. over at, Medi- I was, they were over at Medicine Man, which is this huge dispensary, a huge grow and a dispensary attached. They were talking about how they're, like, the closest one to the airport. They get, like, 60% tourists coming in. Um, it was basically talking, you know, and, and you got the idea that we're growing the weed for the nation. You know, they went on Craigslist and started talking to uh, uh, guys that would just straight up sell you a pound for a donation. You know, this one guy went on TV. He's uh, was a wounded vet with PTSD, you know, a guy that served his country well. And he's kind of screwed now. So what's he do? He grows his 75 plants. He's got a, med- uh, a red card that lets him grow 75 plants. And he'll trade you pounds for donations or eighths for donations. I think he was doing real small amounts when, I, you know, on TV. But it's fucking interesting where it's kind of getting real now where when you'd see these programs earlier, it was, oh, my God, yes, this is my job. Yes, I get to work here. You know, and everybody was just fucking enamored by the plant. And, yeah, I was fucking enamored when I built my first 20 lighter. And then six months later when I was still trimming, I wasn't so enamored anymore. It felt like a job. So I think we're seeing the maturing of this industry where people are starting to go to work and, you know, it's attracting work you know uh ag people you know guys like ag boy that's used to going and and growing greenhouse tomatoes for a living uh there's a hell of a profit margin even if you're even if you're at eight hundred dollars a pound there's a hell of a profit margin man 
Right on. A lot, lot well, different than Grand I, I mean, I'm going to talk about man. That's for sure. No. Uh, what'd you say about greenhouse? I said tomatoes? it's a lot different than growing greenhouse tomatoes. We're attracting. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I'm talking to my entomologist friend, and she's telling me there's guys that are, you know, seasoned ag guys, guys that grow zinnias for a living. You know, guys that grow, you know, the, the plants that fit on the racks at Home Depot and know how to grow. You know, you don't, they'll take your money. They're so confident they'll take your money first and contract grow you. You know, twenty five thousand zinnias of you know different varieties, and they'll deliver them, and they'll all be the exact same height the exact same uh, amount of bloom, totally uniform. And, uh, you know, I mean, those are the guys we're going to start competing with, guys that can produce those type of products. And, by the way, those zinnias are $0.88 cents a piece, man. You know, and the guy's still making money. When those guys come into our <laughs> yeah. industry, man, dude, look out, man. And, t- you know, I-, I don't know anybody else by name, but I'm saying, you know, the-, the Kyle Cushmans and shit like that that have been at the top of our industry for so long, man, I don't know that they're going to dominate anymore when these big guys come in. And that's, that's just what concerns me about federal legalization. You know, the only thing that's stopping these huge guys from coming in is that they go, oh, what, did they, what if I make a bunch of money and they take my money? What am I going to do with my You know, they're setting up multi-million dollar operations. You know, what are they going to do with the money if they can't put it in the fucking bank? Yeah, so that's definitely negative. And the banking situation out here is a huge negative. The, the pros are pretty obvious if you're a grower. I mean, but hang on a second really quick, man. Is it a negative? Oh. It's keeping fucking Marlboro away. It's a positive. You know? The fact that fucking... I'm saying st- it's a negative to, a li- to not have anywhere to put your money. Kind so I guess of. maybe some people but wouldn't if, think if it you is. Could go, if, if it, all of a sudden they just opened the floodgates and, and they said, hey, this is federally cool now. Then all of a sudden you got big business coming and don't worry about it, man. Get involved, you know, craft with your fucking soy, soy extractor that, that uses, I mean, they extract soy, they make soybean oil for what, 50 cents a gallon, 75 cents a gallon. And they use a ton of hexane on that. I know guys that use hexane for extractions. They just, you know, just wash it with hexane. It makes great extractions. You don't think that they could just take fields of hemp to the fucking soybean oil plant, and instead of taking, uh, you know, soybean, which is, what, 20% oil, and, uh, and extracting it, they're extracting, uh, you know, THC or, or CBD from hemp. Yeah. I mean, that shit could totally happen, and federal legalization, why wouldn't it happen? I'm always for what's going to get more cannabis to more people in any form it can be used. I mean, it, you know, beyond without looking at the politics. So, so you're so cool with just fucking not, Marlboro that, offering Marlboro Greens? You know, that classic fucking picture we're always threatened with? And you go in and you just buy. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. I, 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 I think, I'm a grower, man. I got you. So, I just think it means that our fucking our industry is gone. Poof. Well, the, the same people that made the industry are going to make it go away. They made it with prohibition, so when it's legalized that on the federal level, then, I mean, so be it. I can grow my own, just like I can grow my own peppers and tomatoes, share with my friends. So if I want to be, you know, the one to go out and buy some, uh, what, like, as you say, Marlboro, whatever, uh, you know, then, then that's fine. And speaking of that, I did, uh, I hope we were staying on point here enough for you up there in Nova, <laughs> Nova Scotia. Uh, but speaking of that, uh, the man, that one listener came out uh, in January sometime, and they're from, I think, where is it, Virginia? 
I think Virginia, and there's a lot of military base there, right? Virginia and like I think the NSA and shit. But he said also big tobacco is there. Sure. And he said you you, you better believe it. You know, coming. I've seen they're they're poised. They're ready. They're, as soon as it falls, they got process. They got plants. Everything ready to roll for the uh, you know getting into the cannabis industry for yeah. sure. Yeah. And so. I just I'd rather Costa Mesa Steve be growing my weed than big tobacco growing my weed, man. That's all I'm saying, man. <clears throat> big tobacco. We don't even know what the fuck chemicals are in cigarettes. <laughs> There's certainly not like what are those ones that people smoke, man? Those really clean ones, American Eagles or something like that. You know, it's just like supposed to be just regular tobacco. And people are like, I, my wife used to smoke. She's like, oh my god, I can't smoke those things. Like, I can't even smoke those things. I could want a cigarette, but she smoked Marlboro Lights. You know, she wasn't used to a, a real tobacco cigarette. She was used to something that was sprayed with a bunch of chemicals. I mean, dude, I don't want, I don't, don't want those people growing my weed, man. Uh uh-uh. uh, I don't want them extracting my weed. I don't. I don't want to have to fucking. You that, don't have to buy it. Well, you do. With Costa Mesa, Steve gets pushed out <clears throat> because Marlboro's making it for two hundred dollars a pound. All of a sudden, they can't even pay his fucking rent. All right, all right you're, you're right. Some people will have to buy commercially grown weed because they're not going to grow it, or they can't grow it, or their apartment building doesn't allow it, or they don't have a green thumb or the time. So then they're forced to buy into that market. Where hopefully. <laughs> There are going to be people pushed out. I mean, I would be scared myself uh, as far as a long-term business plan being a commercial grower. But there will still be, I believe, just as we always make the comparisons with the alcohol industry, there's Anheuser-Busch or there's actually a brewery, which has been all the rage in Colorado and all over the place, a microbrew, um, probably two miles from my house. They brew their beer there. It's in a, a little commercial plaza. It's, you know, 5,000 square foot or 225. So there's the whole realm of how you can choose. I'm sure there'll still be some quote unquote mom and pops, kind of sewer growers, some options to get your, you know, the herb you want. Hopefully, hopefully man, uh, that's where you, hopefully it does follow that, well, that alcohol, I, uh, you know, model, because you're right, man. There's some nano, I think they call them nano breweries now and nano distilleries and just these, you know, these super small mom and pops, something that, you know, you could run, you know, the equivalent to, uh, you know, a 20 or 30 lighter, that you would run and, you know, serve a clientele with, man. You know, most of the time it's a local clientele. I love that idea. I hope it happens, man. But when all of a sudden your competition is Marlboro, you know, RJR Reynolds and, you know, who, who's the other big one? I can't remember. But, you know, fucking good luck trying to – those guys are dirty, man. You know, all of a sudden we're trying to compete with them. What do you think they're going to be like? Oh, yeah, it's cool. No problem, man. All right. All right. I'm going to talk about some pros. Obviously, if you're going to be allowed to grow, you people in Ohio that are going through, going to have another initiative or whatever, make sure you're fighting hard for growing. I think Ohio is the one that was trying to say, hey, you got to come register and pay 50 bucks. Like, that's BS in my book. Try to get those things changed if you're, uh, you know, in a group or get involved. Because being able to grow and not, you know, it's it's been unbelievably great. I mean, I, I can open my, pull all my plants out of my garden sometimes to spray and then it's like, oh, shit, I forgot to go get the mail. Open the garage. You know, and there's like the, some big old plants right there. And I had somebody visiting from another state. They're like, are you nuts? Like, I'm not doing anything illegal. And I know all my neighbors. I trust all my neighbors. <laughs> Luckily, I'm in a good spot. <clears throat> but it, having that off your shoulders is so awesome. It, it sure uh, having is, the ability It sure to- is. Nothing sucks. Like that song says, stop locking people up for smoking down. Nothing sucks. 
uh, more than fearing the cops and just living in fear because you like to smoke a little weed. I know some great contributors to society in Florida. Guys that fucking get up at 6 in the morning or if they need to get up at 4 in the morning, they're there. Super reliable folks every fucking day at lunch, man. Dude, of course they're smoking a joint. They're smoking a joint when they show up at 6. You know what I'm saying? And they get the job done, man. Yeah. So don't be giving me this fucking slacker stoner bullshit, man. Well, I want to say thanks, The Sage, up there in Nova Scotia. Why don't you be our northern reporter for the Dude Grows show, DGC? Um, the fact that you guys like some chicken fingers, rum, and cokes, and good dope up there, good in my book, man. So uh, chime in. Chime in now and then. I like it. I like having people just, uh, you know, worldly listen- listeners. Absolutely. Even though he's man. on the same Man, I didn't know they had continent. chicken fingers in Canada, bro. Dude, they got the good ones, all right? <laughs> they got the expensive ones. Yeah, right. I'm shouting out so, to Zaxby's <laughs> in Georgia, man, if we're talking chicken fingers now, man. <clears throat> or Guthrie's in right. Gainesville. <laughs> now we're talking, baby. Why'd you have to get me on uh, this? Right. Now I have forward? no idea what go we're ahead, talking about. What? We're talking about chicken fingers, right? Are you hungry fingers, now right? for chicken fingers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice, man. Come on, what you got, man? We're we're rolling. I told uh, you I was somebody in the mood was just to talk chiming today, in, man. So we'd have no problem filling up an hour or so. This is uh, from Chris, and wanted to know. I've mentioned many times the the uh, climate monitor that I prefer. I think there's a couple out there. Autopilot's a brand from Hydro Farm. Like them or hate them, if you're a grower, they're one of the biggest, if not the biggest, distributor in the game of indoor growing equipment, as they would call it. I call it ganja growing equipment. Jamaican tomatoes, man, but. They have a CO2 monitor. I think it retails 125 or something, and it's from Hydroform, as I said. He didn't want to know. He goes, what's up, dude, and Scotty? I remember the dude mentioning a climate monitor he used for around $100. Wrote down the name but can't find it and don't remember what show, so please email. So here they go, man. Go pay. I mean, guys, this device, I, I would save. This is one like on my top, I don't know, five. This desktop monitor will monitor your co2 levels doesn't control anything it monitors them tells you your highest set points your low set points 48 logs in between and every and then also will measure your humidity and your temperature in celsius or fahrenheit if you prefer and it it doesn't do anything wi-fi or whatever but it's a great way to know what's going on in your in your environment you look at that you know once every few days everything you can catch problems let's say like oh shit i didn't know and when the lights are off, it was getting that cold because you're never usually in there when the lights are off. So it's a great piece of equipment. I'm going to try and figure out if we can hook up on one uh, that's not uh, from Hydro Farm potentially. You know what, man? That'd be one got, piece of equipment. I'd like to carry something like that over at Real Yeah, Growers. I got one here that was recommended to me. My buddy Cliff, uh, we had him on the show before, but uh, he hooked me up. He's from Quest Equipment. They do like a real commercial dehumidifier and what he hooked me up with before i got a dual 155 dehumidifier from a big beefy bitch man so thank you so much for that but what he hooked me up with before that was it's called an urban weather station by netamo n-e-t-a-m-o and i think it's available on amazon not expensive at all this was the one that he preferred it works really good with phones and i haven't hooked it up yet but I'm taking a look at it right now. What he said would happen a lot of times is your environment, your your thermostat would be deceptive. So maybe it would get up to 85 degrees, and you'd come in and see the high low being 85. But then when you looked at when you actually looked at like this urban weather station, it would tell you it was only 85 for three minutes, and that was the three minutes that your air conditioner kicked on. You know, so you're like, oh well, is that really a big deal? It went right back down to 82. 
and you know, for you know, 53 out of the 60 minutes, it was 82 degrees. So is that really a huge problem? Dude, I might, you know, it's, it can be real deceptive. Might get one of these. Man, you know what I'm saying? They're $148 Amazon Prime weather station. I have one of these. I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip ahead for a minute to what's going on in my grow okay. because whoa, whoa. it's totally relevant. I was having trouble, I, I, and I have a, a lacrosse. Technologies has weather stations, and they have you can get a one gateway, as they call it. That's a little box you hook up to your modem, and then you can get up to like eight sensors or something. Let's say you want to put one in garden room number two, one all over, and it always worked great. And, and I ordered, and I my, the one I had was man, probably at least seven years old. But the battery cover on the back was kind of busted. It was still working, but every once in a while the batteries wouldn't would get janky right. janky with it. And so I was like, screw it. This is only like a seventy something dollar thing. I ordered a brand new one off Amazon, hooked it up, got it connected, started working. But very randomly, it would never stay connected for long. It wouldn't because you can set the intervals. You can say, hey, I want to be alerted. I want you to send alerts every five minutes, or not alerts, but I want you to data log every five minutes or every ten minutes or you know however long. And it wasn't doing it right. And then I could get it reconnected, and I'm like, sweet, I fixed it. I factory resetted it, everything. And then it would stop working. I was going crazy. I called the company. They finally actually got back to me today after about a week. But I was like, what? what's going on? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what I did? You it's just like, you know, working on a car. What did you do last that might be causing this problem, which I've been burnt there too, but... I took my T5 8 bulb out of that room. That room always had a T5 8 bulb in it. And you put it. a digital and mounted ballast. a digital ballast. Ah, I fucking knew yeah, it, I put man. a digital ballast on the wall on the outside of the room, and that sensor was literally like a foot or a foot and a half from the digital ballast. Oh, man. So it was just making it wacky. And just yesterday, I moved it uh, about seven feet from that digital ballast. I'm like, man, I hope this is going to be enough. Because I want the sensor in this room particularly because this room has the two fans going with the other room to get its, you know, coolness. Right. So if I measure in the – if one of the fans quits, I want this thing to alert me. So we'll see what's up um, with as far as if it's going to work. I don't know if seven feet is going to be enough. But it's like it took me – I didn't think of that. It took me a, a while to think of that, which I thought I should have thought of that a little a little quicker. And that's where a fresh set but of eyes maybe can this come a- on in and be like, yo, yo, the fuck? Well, keep in mind with this this eat this uh, weather station from um, Net Netamo or whatever it is Netamo Net Atmo Net Atmo. Keep in mind that uh, that might have the same issue because I was literally just going to order this right now, but I need to get in touch with them because plenty of people are running digital ballasts in their garden, and you might need that sensor. You know, garden rooms aren't huge; it might have to be within a ten foot you know radius of your digital ballast. So. Uh, so that was totally relevant, right? That was fucking relevant, man. Completely, man. Thank you for taking us on that <laughs> journey, dude. No, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting, man. I didn't really think about that, although I just never. You know, I bought a couple digital ballasts, and man, I just never replaced them. Yeah, you know, it was like something. I think it was kind of when they were on the newer side, they went out, and I was like, you know, I never have a problem with ballasts. I buy a hundred dollar magnetic ballast and that fucker lasts forever till i throw it out man so yeah yeah i'm tempted if i can't get this issue fixed i I think i'm just gonna say screw it and go order or just go pick up a 600 watt magnetic because i'm not you know i'm not worried about it i like some of the features on the digital i like the dimmable 
And of course, the boost, man. I'm running my ball at 110%. Yeah. No, I don't really care about that. Hey, dude, but, I'm uh, giving 110%, I'd, man. For real. I'd rather have my environmental monitoring, you know, running properly than worrying about a digital ballast because, you know, like when I was out of town, like I said, in Canada, I'm checking that shit every couple hours just to make sure it's good. And then I got backup if I need to call the neighbor or whatever. And I'm, you know, if I, I got a low temp and high temp alert. So that way I can know if there's an issue with my garden or even when I'm home, I can handle it right away. So good stuff. Good Ooh, stuff, growers. Absolutely, man. Hey, can I change this so we talk, the subject for a second, man, and yeah. welcome a new, a new member of the DGC? And that is wait it. what? And wait what? It says, but you can call me Kyle. Uh Man, he's a pretty cool dude, man. He put put a couple of pretty funny memes up. This one is, uh, what's the dude from Willy Wonka? And it says, do I smell pot? You must be new here. <laughs> and it's about, he wrote this, wrote this pretty cool article about dispensary etiquette. And he's a bud tender and works in the industry and was just kind of talking about a little bit of do's and don'ts. And like, like uh, I said before with re- regards to i think it's that green man i think is that what it's called uh dispensary they're right near the airport they said i think 60 percent of their of their clientele is tourists going to the mountains you know it's getting getting ready to stock up so you know maybe check this article out it's a dude grows dispensary dash etiquette and it just talks about just trying to be be cool man you know you have to have your id out so don't make it a big deal oh shit okay don't i look old you know just have your fucking id out man you know don't be super loud don't jump into fucking people's conversations if the bud tender's talking about strawberry cough and you love strawberry cough resist the urge to freaking walk over and make the whole conversation about you oh my god that's the best strain man you know it's like 90 percent indica because you might be fucking wrong about shit, <laughs> you know? Let the butt tender do his job, it says, man. And uh, and then when it says when you get your time, you know, a lot of times you have to wait in line. It's like almost like a little doctor's office visit or something like that where you wait in a waiting room, then they give you your time, and they give you some privacy where you can, you don't feel rushed, you don't have 20 other people climbing over your back. Yo, can you ring me out? Can you catch me out? It's, uh, you know, so then when you get your time with the bud tender, man, take your time. Enjoy the experience. And, uh, you know, if you don't see something you like, uh, ask to see something else. Oh, you know, another interesting thing that was on this was uh, don't, number four, don't assume every dispensary you go to will be stocked to the nines. It says harvest determines when a dispensary has stock. Sometimes you have to wait for the good stuff. Keep checking back and don't judge a dispensary on the first visit unless the bud tenders aren't knowledgeable. It's pretty cool, man. It's, it's good advice. Yeah. So, yeah. So let me uh, shout out. Go I was ahead. just going to say thank you. Wait what for showing up and contributing, man. And uh, we appreciate it, man. That's what the DGC is all about. You are welcome here, sir. <laughs> Hell yeah. Early in an earlier. Uh, oh, man. So we are. We are all over the place today, but it's still it's still great content. Because while you're chatting, I have changed my official uh, product. Scotty brought up that that CO, that Netmo product, um, Urban. What you, you, I think you can find it just by Urban, the Urban, Urban Weather, Weather Station. Station. Yes, sir. It, it does CO two too, guys. I just found this out, man. That is dope for 148, and it all goes to Android or Apple device, and you can add on a home security camera also for you know I think it's it's 199. And it's also weatherproof, so that's pretty dope, man. I'm I'm ordering one right. of these. Right. So here you go, man. Here's what it says: I, I, Monitor your environment. Monitor the weather, outdoor air quality, indoor air quality, CO2, humidity, barometric pressure, 
acoustic comfort and temperature. I wonder if my room is acoustically comfortable. Comfortable. Yeah, that's important, man. What fucking it? Earlier, man. Scotty, you said something about, uh, you'd mentioned the words Craigslist. So I was like, oh shit, let me just check real quick. Just because this is still funny. <laughs> Googling marijuana in Colorado, guys. I love this new I just, or not Google, got, I searched man, Craigslist I for it. marijuana. The fir- Posted two hours ago uh, uh, today on Wednesday. We are great. It goes professional medical marijuana. We are great legit distributors. We supply of different varieties of hash oil and medical marijuana. Two, 11 strains are available. I've got medical marijuana with caregivers for patients. We ship via out the USA and we do not mix matches of strains. Shipping is done very discreetly. We provide good assistance in the form of counseling. And we also go as far as to provide high quality medicine for all patients. Hash oil, shatter and wax available. Hey, and they're trying to word well, it. I like am going to tell What's you, up? man, on that show, they had guys that were this one guy. I don't know, man. Sometimes reality TV fucks you up. You know, you, like you want to believe it. And then you go, no, this can't be real. This guy's on TV. But they had a guy that was like, yeah, you know, I'll meet you for a little bit. And he goes, I mail it to you. And he's like, well, why the f-? Like I said, this thing was real realistic, man, this show. And he's like, well, yeah, why well, do you think <laughs> I'm going to drive it to you? Are you nuts? I just throw it in the mail, man. And yeah. And I was one, one, one more real quick. This one goes, and who knows? I mean, can't be. It goes, marijuana weed bud, Denver Aurora. We have some extra high-quality medical marijuana. No red card needed. Out-of-towners, welcome. Go Golden Goat, Snow Goddess, Moby Dick, Critical Mass, Cali Orange. And then it lists all the prices going up to 2400 for the pound. And it says shipping available. So, man, I think law enforcement has taken over. Craigslist marijuana ads. Yeah, funny. I think so too, man. I would not be getting marijuana on Craigslist, man. But then again, it was pretty interesting All what right, the guy said. About- the guy said he'd meet you, he'd you know size you up a little bit, and you know I mean the guys this guy met somebody in the parking lot on TV, and you could tell this guy wasn't a cop, man. You know you're like that guy ain't a cop. They ain't hiring cops like that. Man. Sorry, <laughs> you know. So you can still tell, but. Who's to say he ain't going to knock you out or something or ain't trying to save his own ass? Yeah, it's dangerous business. Sure man. is. People can be, you know, jumped, robbed, whatever. So going into Southern Cali, SoCal Cannabis Cup. Now smoke a little for this one, Scotty. Do's and don'ts. It says, hi, guys. And this is in from uh, Chris. And the, other, the previous one was from Chris Green. All right. <clears throat> hi, guys. A fast shout out. Love the program. New grower. My first grow was six plants. Five month growing time. I filled up an eighth ounce container with the buds of my six plants, and it was great. Needless to say, I have learned a lot from you guys. What did you say? A one is that a one eighth ounce container? One slash eighth ounce container from six plants. I mean, six isn't that pretty? Uh, maybe you know who they could be micro plants, right? I don't. If I'm reading that right, uh, just keep I smoking. Don't get it, Six man. plants. Needless to say, I've learned <laughs> a lot from you guys. I added, I added a Mars grow light. Gave you a plug on the five star five star comment, and started to use recharge. Big difference. My question really is that I'm taking my wife to the SoCal Cannabis Cup and wondered if you'd give some do's and don't tips. Don't know what to expect. Really looking for some seeds. Do you think I'll find it? Yes. What do you think, Scotty? Do's and don'ts. Okay. Seeds, plants. Um, man, I remember to t- I took a picture of the like the the rules of the cannabis cup last year because they were fucking awesome. Like they're like you know 
don't have more than a half pound on you at a time or something goofy like that. They were really like uh, lax rules, you know. But, um, man, as far as do's and don'ts, I don't know. Let's think for a second, man. Do be prepared to walk a shitload, man. You know, I mean, I was, you know, unless it, the first year I was there, fuck, I paid th- $5,000 for a booth the next year, man. That's how much I wanted to sit down, <laughs> you know, so... Yeah, check the rules on what you could bring in. A backpack's always good. Some water, your favorite beverage, as well as some food, some snacks. Food lines, we notice, tend to be pretty long at prime right. times. Uh, the Denver Cup. There were people definitely walking around with clones for sale. Not totally out in the open. Plenty of people had seeds for yeah, sale. easy. And I can't imagine it would be any different out there for doing that. Uh, I hope, you know, that you're – and be patient. We'll be busy. But they're doing two weekends, I believe, out there. This year, uh, the last weekend of January and I think the first weekend of February for the SoCal. Yeah, if you, uh, I got a don't. If you see DJ Short out there, don't hand him a card that says your weed sucks. (laughs) Yes, we did have all of our cards. (laughs) Your weed sucks. Hey man, what can you do, man? Sometimes you go for it. Yes. Um, no, I don't. I don't know. I mean, uh, I would say uh, back to the- you know, it, there it usually is cannabis offered there, but it's usually with a kind of a hassle, like you have to wait in line. So I would bring some cannabis, and hopefully you can trade. If yeah, yeah, if you got some, you know, something decent that you've grown or something like that, bring it and talk it up, man. You're gonna find a whole bunch of enthusiasts there that are probably gonna be like, hey, man, you grew this. This is your first grow. Fuck yeah, I'll smoke it with you, man. Here. Take a bud of mine, and it might not be an even trade even. You know what I mean? There's, you know, it's then the cannabis cup is the time to be generous, and it's, you're going to find a, uh, a weed. I don't know, man. I remember I went to the dead show one time, man, and there was just people that were, like, trying to trade, like, weed and acid, basically, for food. They were like, I'll trade you this weed for, uh, you know, a bowl of your macaroni and cheese, you know, or grilled cheese was, you know. <laughs> and I, you know, I remember just people like that. It's kind of a weird thing where that kind of becomes the currency, you know, when, when you're allowed to just have cannabis out in the open and nobody's really, most of the time, at least the cannabis cups that I've been to, the cops just have not busted balls, man. So you can just openly trade some weed for a T-shirt or, you know, do whatever, man. You know, I, I didn't, I guess not openly. I'd maybe fucking, you know, wouldn't announce it out in the, in the middle of everywhere. But, yeah, it's pretty easy to do anything you want, man. It was a joy. I found it to be a great, great experience, man. I'm really looking forward to going back. Right on. I agree. I Dude, agree. are you going to the? Is, are out. you going to the? I'm springing this on you. I haven't talked to you about this off the air, but to the to the cup in uh, Cali, I'm really thinking I might have to hop on a plane, go hang hang. Oh, the one we just talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, it's in two weeks, man. It's in. No, I'm sorry. It's like, I don't know, next week or the week at next week and the week after. Which would be unlikely. The second weekend. Man, that could be a light possibility, but it's really also a, uh, yeah, kind of a, I'll say financial constraint. Plane ticket, hotel room, uh, cup tickets. I think I think, I, I think High Times did for reach me. out to us and said they would, they would hook you and I up, brother. They, they, high Times is actually, for as Madison Avenue as they are, man, they do have some feet on the ground, man. They listen to this show, man. They got a couple of people that are assigned to listen to this show, I guess, man. But, uh, and they've been really cool and respectful to us, man. So shout out to y'all, man. I got no beef. All right. High times. Pick me. Pick us up some, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say airfare <laughs> tickets. 
and we will be the best reporters for you on the ground. Yeah, I don't know if we that so. got that kind of juice, brother. Well, I mean, I don't know. Danny Danko hasn't put on an episode since October 23rd, and I really did like free weed. So come on, Danny. Get on it, you know. Where's your podcast, brother? He is cool, man. Right. I love Sorry, Danny I Danko. Him, I had to give him a little shit. All right, so moving forward, I had to talk a little quick. and This is more like an announcement. For you guys that know the show, where did we have, or when, I know where, at Way to Grow, did we have Cannaman on last? It was pretty recent. I think it was about two months ago. We had a... <clears throat> listener here, lettuce toke. Lettuce, as in the vegetable, lettuce nice. toke. And he was, he's like, where the hell did you guys, what episode was that? And I tried to use our search bar. I couldn't find it. Somebody can find, and if you guys can go into the show notes on this episode and just comment on this post, what episode was uh, Canaman on? And, and now, do you have like a soundboard where you can do the Jeopardy? You gotta offer up some nugs, man. Come on now, give him a little, give him a little All right, love. How many man. nugs is that worth? You gotta give him five hundred nugs for the uh, for that one, man. Come on. All right, five hundred nugs. You can use over at realgrowers.com towards anything on your checkout, which we're in the works of restocking and trying to get more diverse diversify with. Uh, I'd like to, like I said, I'm gonna try and get them weather stations over there, but. Basically, just <laughs> poor shit that we make no money post, with. But if man, you, all right, dude. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I didn't look at the margins yet. Whatever. Uh, hey, real to, quick, uh, just put that over in uh, dudegrows.com slash catalog. Go on down to the bottom and uh, just put it in the, in the uh, uh, comments, man. Shit, the words are leaving me, man. Comments. Yeah, and let me know you did it. Hit me up at dudegrows at gmail in case I don't want to miss it so I can get your 500 right. bucks. Right. Right. Sounds good, man. He was actually curious about, he goes, he wanted to know, Chet was explaining why you should not mix perlite in with can of cocoa and why RO water is bad with today's nutrients. So I remember, I mean, it was on the perlite, just unneeded. It it drains well enough, I believe, is what, I mean, is that what you'd say, being somebody that used can of cocoa? Well, because good quality cocoa holds the perfect air to moisture. You know, ratio has a perfect air to moisture ratio where it holds a shitload of moisture and it holds a shitload of air. It's perfect. You can grow beautiful, beautiful plants in it. Why would you want to reduce the amount of, you know, of nutrient that entire uh, soil, you know, the entire pot container? That's the amount of nutrient that your plant can hold, that your that your plant can, I'm sorry, that your soil can store for your plant to absorb. So why would you want to, to reduce that by putting perlite in there? If you put 20 25% perlite in there, you're reducing the amount of moisture that can be held and overall nutrient that can be held in that container. So now it either has to be watered more often or there's just less overall available nutrient by like substantial. When you're cutting, you know, go, go get a, a motorcycle, you know, a race, race bike, and then tell somebody they're going to cut their horsepower down by 10 or 15 or 20%. You know, that's a, that's substantial. So by cutting the volume, you know, when you're cutting cocoa at 20, you know, up to 20 percent perlite, your the cocoa, uh, the perlite doesn't hold any moisture. So it's not holding that nutrient solution. It's not. It's just giving you air. It's meant to change the air to moisture ratio of soil of peat that holds a ton, way too much moisture, you know. So that, that's what the perlite's there. It's to lighten up mixes. But when you've got a you know what they also use to lighten up mix? When I call uh, Florida potting soil and get, you know, 50 yards of soil delivered, I can put perlite in it. But if I really want to be progressive and have a pre, uh, offer a premium soil, 
uh, I can put cocoa core in it. They'll put up to 35% cocoa core in their peat mix for me. So it's, you know, it's, it's known. It's, it's right known on. in big ag, and it's used, man. Cocoa core is the premium aerator. So you don't want to cut a premium aerator with a cheap aerator, which is perlite. <clears throat> yeah, and RO water, I wouldn't say is bad with today's newts. You just got to really watch uh, CalMag deficiencies and make sure you got a good CalMag in your program, if not a CalMag additive along with your base nutrient. Yeah, one of the things that builds up in pipes, you know, like that CLR, that's for removing calcium, lime, and rust from your pipes. Well, that calcium, you know, when you, you know, in LA, when you're opening a spigot, there's a lot of calcium that's that's uh, on the side of those pipes, you know, through the water system, on, you know, underground, far away, even coming up to your house. So you get a lot of calcium through. That's why, you know, sometimes it reads, what, 250, 300 or more parts per million in L.A., some of the L.A. city water there, because then pipes are so calcified. But that's all, us it's all dang, usable dang. stuff. All right, I got one more what's growing on subject that came in. <clears throat> about Eden, E-D-E-N, Eden Shield Pest Control from Colorado Sherlock. He goes, just what's, well, the superhero, a guardian, is gone, and now we have to think of bugs again. I'm always thinking bugs. But it, but luckily, <clears throat> it drove me to start, to, to start more researching. He just found this link about a natural way they're treating indoor greenhouses pests, but with a passive technique. Basically, they have found an odor that deters most pests by its smell alone, They've created a net that is hung on the entrance that is sprayed routinely with a special sauce, I will call it. It says the odor from this net is enough to keep exhausting odors to a minimum from what's growing, as well as keeping thrips, whiteflies, spider mites, leaf miners at bay. No mention of the dreaded two-spotted destroyers, plant destroyer. <clears throat> uh, seems like a logical idea. So I, ironically, Mr. Sherlock, I was a few months ago at Way to Grow in the, one of the, the, the drew over there. He, he's in charge, I think, of just, you know, products and, and purchasing and things. He handed me this stuff called Green Camo Leaf Shine and Green Ammo Plant Wash. Both are from Eden Shield. And this is a company out of Israel, straight up P.O. Box, whatever, Jerusalem, sure, Israel. Right. And it, both of these products say uh, Green Camo is a medicinal desert plant extract leaf shine formulated to increase plant health, vitality, and yield while keeping the surface clean. So... I, they, they aren't they're going playing that same uh, fucking yet, game, man. They're playing these... that same fucking game. No, we didn't say we we're okay, a pesticide, so why would we have to list the pesticides we have in here? <laughs> they're going off the fact they're saying desert plants are well known for their unique characteristics. Due to their harsh and extreme environment, they have evolved to possess special components and survival mechanisms which you are now able to harness for the protection and enhancement of your crops. So it, I like, I like the, the basis here. Uh, we did see in a couple other products. I totally forgot the name of them already because we didn't. I never used them, but they were, uh, I think, uh, summer and and fall or something, where you'd lick, put this liquid in, water in a couple weeks before your plants are going to be at their hottest point. Look, let's say Dr. J's greenhouse. It's going to get up to 120. So you want to be watering with this, <coughs> and uh, what it does is enables the plant to to do well at high temps, and then the fall enables them to go really cold, and they're getting. This from the plants grown, the plants that grow in desert see probably the most extremes as far as high and low temps, as well as just being beat on. So that I'm not a plant uh, scientist, whatever you want, biologist, whatever right. you call it. But the, the idea sounds the idea sounds cool to me. I mean, I understand, I get it. I mean, you know why they're not putting on here 
a list of bugs and they're not they, they don't have either they don't have the money or they're just not to the point yet where they're going to do full epa registration everything and it does though tell me i wonder how much it would be to, to get this tested how i mean <laughs> you got to run this through like a mass spectrometer or something right yeah. if i want to test it myself to have my own peace of mind probably cost like 400 bucks or something i don't know a lot right yeah yeah i don't know if it costs that much but yeah i think you'd have to analyze what was in it yeah it might not regardless i want to check out eden shield because i haven't used it yet uh probably try and get a hold of the company right. and see and see what's up but you what, know how they say what? fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me so what happened with the guardian i'm pissed off about it and i want to learn from it okay you know the a fool who learns from his okay. follies is on the path to wisdom, man. So let's, you know, even if you start out a fool, man, as long as you learn, you can be wise, man. I'm thinking that these things aren't EPA registered, okay? Is if I'm the EPA, I kind of, I, I do see the value of it. You know, a lot of times I'm like, oh, overregulation. Oh, the government's so, uh, you know, so up invasive. I don't want regulation and this and that. I think, uh, you know, having my pesticides regulated and there's a reason why when you open up, you know, a pesticide booklet comes with an entire booklet and it shows you every application rates for every crop. I mean, some of them, you know, it's got 100 crops in there. And that's because each for the EPA, for each crop, you're going to tell people it kills this pest on. You have to prove it. You have to go out there and actually test on it and prove it. And you got to spend some money on it, man. And what it does is it makes sure that things are legitimate and for real. And there's not just people, you know, that they, they have to submit, the, you know, real ingredients. And I'm sure it gets analyzed in a, in a lab. And what it does, it keeps people from doing these cheap, fucked up tricks, man. Uh, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm really concerned about anything. And, and when I talk to an entomologist, remember I told you my entomologist friend who really is world class was telling me how the cannabis industry really needs to uh, clean, its, clean up its act and to get the respect of of ag basically and what what she was saying was things like you know you can't use non-epa registered chemicals man you just can't do it you know we know what's out there everybody knows what's out there people win nobel fucking prizes for this shit when you know when, when a new chemical is invented you know they know every chemical and every mode of action and they cycle through them and when there's plenty of edible crops that they do this for the cannabis isn't in line with that, man. We're still fucking looking for the miracle cures and cheating. And uh, I think the sooner we get out of that, and the sooner we demand EPA registration for our pesticides, and you know, on, only support pesticides that are EPA registered, I think that's where I'm at at this point, brother. Cool. Well, I'll go off the uh, the list over here and check out. It looks like um, everything. I think you have to be EPA because I'm on the Colorado approved list. You don't have to be EPA if you don't call production. it a pesticide. Look on Guardian's label. Hang on. I'm going to go and grab one. I got one here. And I'm going to look and see if it says it's a pesticide. Because a lot of the things, like that's what I'm talking about when, even when I saw this, what, what are these two products called? One's called a wash. And what's the other one called? A, a leaf well, shine. Well, everything. That the wash and the leaf shine. Everything are on. Quick. Those are the two biggest wink, wink. This is really a pesticide, but I'm not going to say anything about it. You know, oh, my gosh, it kills bugs, too. Whoa, how crazy. I can't help <laughs> it if you're buying it for that. Well, everything. It's not registered for that. Yeah. One. OK, we've had. A, a, yeah, it sucks that a bad apple has to make you think about a potentially. And I have no investment in this product. It's been sitting down on my shelf. It's for not a months, bad apple. But, it's fucking. Pe- uh, whoops. Uh, what's the thing? 
Oh yeah, there was the PM PM yeah. wash and shit. It's, a, something, it's the right? oldest trick in the book at this point. So everything here has an EPA number that is on the Colorado approved list, and there is a hell of a lot of uh, a hell of a lot of options. So I definitely want to pick a few more out. You, you growers out there, give us some recommendations for the show so we can uh, you know try and try and recommend a few different. Uh, pesticides so, that are working. Yeah, I got a bottle of... What's a Guardian bottle I got a say? bottle of Guardian, and something tells me that when the EPA gets a hold of these guys, they're going to rip them a new asshole because uh, it's... You know, it says is one of the Guardian is one of the most effective spider mite products in today's horticultural market. It kills mites on contact and smothers all eggs with a natural cutting-edge surfactant. Anyway, the, the fact that they're saying it kills bugs makes it classified as a pesticide that's under EPA registration. What they're trying to do is there's this, it's called a FIFRA exemption, and uh, it's like a FIFRA 25B exemption, and that's, you know, it's just a, a loophole if you use all recognized as safe ingredients. So you're like, look, cinnamon oil is recognized as safe, generally recognized as safe. Uh, so is, you know, whatever oil, and that's all we're using. They go, okay, well, combining those two, you don't need to do all the testing. You know, we'll, we'll let you be exempt from it because all the ingredients are on this list. But, um, man, I... They're gonna they're gonna have a, a field day with this, man. Yeah. Well, let's keep going because we got more Guardian talk coming, and I don't want to beat it Sorry, to death, man. if you will. It's all good. I know you're a little bent. Uh, that's all I got with what's going on. I want to get into recharge it up in a minute, but before we do, take a quick break, man. Kick it on. Uh, do you have you have a few new parodies, a few new song throw-ins? Somebody complained the other day. They miss the king, man. They miss King Marijuana. Yeah. So you know, I miss King I too, you man. Know. You're right. Guys, yeah. Keep keep me in check, man. You know, I got my same uh same little catalog there. I don't think I have a lot of King in the catalog for some reason, man. I think I need to take an hour or so and, and cut me some new King tracks, man. Hey DJs, man. All right, well, hopefully Where's Scott all the good. DJs with the remixes and I had a couple uh, back in the day. I always <laughs> hear everybody's a DJ, you know? I'm a DJ, man. Fuck yeah, man. Remix a little bit, man. We got The King. We've got uh, 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 Mendo Dope. is cool with letting us use this music, man. So, I mean, shit. Let's have some fun, brothers and sisters. All right. Try and uh, try and find yourself some King and put it in right Deal, now. man. Deal. Yo. Why don't you go get that good shit? You know. That shit that your brother gave you. That good shit. Yeah. That's the shit. Yeah. This shit right here. Yeah. This shit right here. 
Charge it up. We only got one question here. Uh, well, why don't we roll through? Why don't we throw in? Uh, well, no, no, we just did a break. Recharge so it I'll up, keep it baby. Let's do recharge, recharge it up, up real quick. Man. Come on, what you got? <clears throat> I got from AKA GCB. Not sure exactly what that means. GCB, great cannabis buddy. Aminos versus recharge. I think he's talking amino aid. Uh, let's see. Yo, there's a big one here. Yo, with a lot of O's. Yo, Scotty. And I the thought dude. this was from my buddy I'm Steve. Happy frogs. Man. If it is, shout out to you, brother. I grow in happy frog soil in smart pots and run house and garden newts, soil A and B, multizyme, aminos, roots XL, top booster, top shooter, but XL. I also use recharge, sweet raw, and terpenator. And was thinking of the quanti- qual- well, sorry, quantity of amino acids in the recharge. I'm debating cutting out the housing garden aminos, and I believe he's talking about amino aid, and just sticking with the recharge. Cost being the primary concern. Would that be your concern? Would what would be your concerns or advice? Do I need the housing garden with recharge? P.S. The pick of uh, is SFV San Fernando Valley OG using both, and I had only gotten recharge for flowering. I just got my mammoth sample in the mail as well, and they sent me a big one. Sweet! <laughs> and I also just ordered a Grow More Silica with my nugs and just got a second one by mistake, I think. How do I ship it back That's, to you? You don't. It's all good, man. It's all good, man. It's the, the Silica <laughs> God smiling on you, man. Man, this guy's got yes. good karma, bro. Do you don't get a lottery ticket, man. You're winning. Um. What's up with the amino? So you're saying you have amino acids in recharge? I, yeah, I do. No, yep, the latest out? formulation of recharge as of a couple, as about two years ago, uh, we added an amino acid package to it as well. And it's just one of those things where it's, man, when you're talking egg, uh, you know, they make a big deal out of amino acids. Uh, in you know, they put them in a separate bottle. And, you know, sell them to you for a lot of money. In ag, they're like, yeah, would you like to add an amino acid package to it? You know, and, dude, it adds like, you know, 50 cents or something like that onto a, onto a thing of recharge, man. So it's, yeah, I, I definitely put all the good stuff I can. Every upgrade, man, you know. I'm like the lottery winner going to the car dealership, man. Yeah, yeah, give me that too. <laughs> no, but I try to make, try to make it a, a product that replaces many products i want you to be able to take your base nutrient and recharge and have great results man and have it be that simple and that's how it is for me I, you know i kind of learned a little lesson man we kind of went and tried to get a guest on one time and he looked at our youtube uh, history and was like yo man you're kind of telling people that they don't need a whole bunch of products that are all my buddies so i'm trying not to ever go against any product or say, hey, dude, don't use that. Don't buy it. Just use recharge instead. I would recommend that you leave it out of a couple plants next time and do a side-by-side. I suspect you won't see a difference, but that's the only way to really know, man. And especially, I'm not familiar with the house, yeah, and, just to yeah, try with the house and gardens line. Maybe house and garden really relies. Well, it has silica in the amino treatment. It has silica, so he, but he did just pick up some silica, so you're... you're you know, you're handling your, your silica there. So, yeah, give it a try and let, let us know. I have no Yeah, I can it. tell you that I don't use a separate amino package. So, sometimes I will use the Fuego. Um, 
And, uh, you know, that being said, when I do use the Fuego, I do use a bunch of other stuff. You know, it's like when I, it's like in town, Scotty, you know, and I'm actually in the grow every day. And, yeah, the buds do come out a lot sweeter, a lot danker. Uh, so it's really one of those things where you'll have to see if that specific product in, in your overall, you know, quiver of nutrients uh, if if you see a difference without it, and the only way quiver, the only way to do that is to uh, is is to do an A and B side by side test in your environment, and and let us know. I'd love to know. Word. Let me give a shout out here mid show uh, to can of nutrients, Scotty's meat and potatoes, <laughs> definitely. Uh, Support of the show as well as, I mean, we, you were using Canna well before we had Dude Grow Show for yeah, quite a while. This, this is filet uh, mignon and fingerling. Delicate fingerling potatoes, man. That's what Canna is. <laughs> no, a no-brainer. Use their can of cocoa, their can of A and B, and then whatever else you want from there. But you got what you need to pull off a grow if you have to, you know, as I say, my simplest recipe right now would be the RX Green Solutions A and B and Recharge. Scotty's recommendation, it would be the Canna A and B and Recharge. The difference being you can take Canna A and B in just two bottles all the way from grow all the way through broom, which is pretty sweet. That being said, man, I went and smoked some of the most delicious bud I've smoked in, in months. And it was Lucas formula, GH Lucas formula, two bottles, uh, you know, and it was all about his environment. The guy gave a shit and had perfect environment, beautiful lights on, you know, lights on movers, a plasma light to substitute. You know, he had plasma spectrum in there. Uh, man, it was just beautiful. And the quality of the flower was beautiful. And this was on GH, GH two part, basically. So, like I said, I, when you talk about nutrients, they're way down that fucking list, man. You know, and by light, environment, you know, all that stuff comes before nutrients. Yes. Dude, my, bro- my brother we'll was a bodybuilder back in the Go day. Ahead. And uh, motherfucker would eat McDonald's all the time. You know, he just went and worked out like crazy. <laughs> you know, I remember he went to a bodybuilding competition eating McDonald's, man. And people were pissed, you know, but he was kind of genetically, uh, genetically predisposed, man. <laughs> you can pump it up. Hey, man, Cartman, cheesy poofs, cheesy puffs, like, he's, you know, bulking up on his stuff. Or no, what did he use? What, he had an official, yeah, uh... fuck, what was it, man? That shit was the goods, man. <laughs> beefcake, uh, right? We'll have to come back to Didn't you. he have beefcake? <laughs> I think it was beefcake. I don't know if it was beefcake or he always, yell, always would yeah, yell that. good shit, man. <laughs> You mentioned, uh, we, we got a mention of Mammoth P here. If you guys want to hook up Mammoth P... Go to dudegrows.com forward slash a mammoth. I don't even know if I have any more, bro. What's up? I don't even think I have any more. No, no, no. A mammoth, a direct. Oh, good. Dudegrows.com forward slash mammoth. There's a link there. Copy and paste that link. They have a little form for you to fill out. Make sure you tell them Dude Grows sent you. As well as anything else you're going, make sure you tell them Dude Grows sent you. It always helps us out. And try. I haven't tried it yet. I am trying it this flower cycle, though. Uh, Scotty, have you used it all the way through a, a blue I cycle? I have not no? yet, man. I was just kind of finishing. My room was kind of a mess. You know, I, I needed to redo my room. So I was just finishing my cycle. All right, we'll out talk about it. Just, I'm just saying, I, <laughs> I didn't want to, I want to give it a real run. That's why I've got the side-by-side going. This cycle yeah. now I could do side-by-sides with and without. We're going to start learning some things, man. Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. And I, I haven't heard anything bad about the mammoth pea and i've heard only good things i'm always getting feedback 
up uh, Way to Grow Lakewood store. I talked to those guys a bit, and they've been giving me good feedback from the people using it there. And uh, overall, I'm excited to give it a go. Dudegrows.com forward slash mammoth. All right. <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me. Where are we at here? We got to do what we're smoking, man. What we're smoking. So let's go, let's, uh, I got one quick thing. What right. we're smoking. Then you want to you wanna throw in uh, your call, man. Should we hit up uh, yeah, your token man. save that? What or you're smoking got two? weak for me. I'll, I'll right. say one thing, too, man. You hit it first. I don't want to interrupt. I... <laughs> This is when I came back from being out of town, four days from uh, uh, Canada up there, and I was like, excited. You know, I was getting home. I was in a rush. Just when I get back from a trip, I like to unpack every, get everything back to where you know my brain thinks everything should be, get in my comfort zone. I had a couple beers while I was unpacking everything, trying to relax. And I'm like, you know what? I haven't even smoked yet. Got Wait, excited. You didn't bring your vapor pen to downstairs. Canada. Pussy. No, I don't like fucking around with I'm customs. Just with you, man. TSA and, and local authorities yeah, are one I'm thing. Totally I don't like messing with, with customs. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, they, when I got back, so I went down. I had uh, honey banana. There's a little bit of honey banana left in this, you know, plastic little jar. So I used the batting, kind of packed it packed it in there, getting that, you know, bottom of the jar. Strong, keef shit. And, again, still just not thinking. I'm like, I'm just going to hit this real quick and go back to what I was doing. Didn't think I hadn't smoked in four days. <laughs> hit that shit where it hit the back of my throat, man, that 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 keef sifty type stuff at the bottom of the jar just hit me hard i was like got that burn for i don't know probably an hour where i kept like oh man i'm like i need some fizzy water or some shit like this is and i you know i had a six pack in my my, got carbonated water i had so we call it around here i had a six pack of beer out in my garage that i already had two beers of and when i smoked this like it it sent me for a loop i was uncomfortably high for like 40 minutes probably where and I, all I was doing is drinking water and I had planned, you know, to kick back. I planned, I'm like, man, I might just finish this six pack tonight. And it was a good, you know, reason in my brain where somebody like me, I, I admit, I like to drink beer. I like to drink, drink beer too much at times. And when I smoked down and I burned down like that, it really at least cuts in half. Cause I only had one more beer that night that lasted me like 45 minutes. And I was like, all right, man, this just goes to show smoking cannabis is good. But make sure if you go on a vacation break and you come back, take it lightly. Take it lightly. Because that was, I see, that was like the high where I'm like, man, I now I remember what it's like to get too high. Now I remember, you know, when somebody just smoked for the first time and they're like, man, this is crazy. I'm never doing this again. So, yeah, take it, <laughs> take it easy when uh, when you haven't had cannabis in a few days. Don't get too excited. Take a little toke, and then maybe a little another little toke. Yeah, not one yeah big don't take that long, man, to, you know, to get your, lose your tolerance. I once had, like, a life insurance test, so I had to wait uh, about, I think, three weeks I waited or something like that, and I went and smoked with a couple of buddies, man. I, first off, I remember that life insurance test, the first one I took. This is not me. This is just allegedly, man. This may or may not have really happened. But I had, like, one of the farm <laughs> laborers, and I just found the one farm laborer who I knew didn't smoke weed. And I was like, yo, you know, instead of working hard in the fields all day today, your job is just to hang out outside my bathroom window. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, honestly, after I said that, I didn't even have to explain it anymore. He just fucking got the picture. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, man. Yeah. Turns out I have hepatitis uh, C, nice. but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what are you what are you smoking? To, what are you smoking today? Uh, man, you know, I have actually not smoked flour in probably a solid week. 
I've been busy. I've been running around. And the only thing I do is I just hit this big Orb XL pen, man. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of a problem. I'm wondering if I smoke flour. Have I fucked up my tolerance now? You know, I better stay off this thing for a, a good day or so, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Smoke until you're going to get waxed out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or, or maybe it just fucked my tolerance up, man. But like we are talking about, even my tolerance goes back if I just, even if I wait just till 420 to smoke the next day, I'm fucking super high. That always that first stone of the day is pretty goddamn high, man. Something about it. So I say it's got a, nat- a natural yeah. metering effect. Cannabis does. It's fucking perfect. You know, the more you <laughs> abuse it, the less spe- you know, the less amazing it is, man. All right. Well, let's hear from you and Jr. Here. Hopefully, you guys haven't even listened to this yet. Stay no. on point. Keep it professional. We, d- we did not stay <laughs> on point at all. We actually decided in the end that we needed the dude there to keep us on point, man, because we just started talking shit about everything. But JR is an interesting guy. He's an OG grower, and uh, it was pretty interesting just he- hearing, uh, you know, a little bit about uh, what's growing on from his perspective, man. So I hope you guys enjoy. Yeah. Cool. We'll be back, guys. What's up, y'all? Scotty Real hanging out today and doing a little little uh, new segment, man. We're going to give it a try here, man. The dude will be in on the next one. But uh, we're calling this the Cultivar's Corner. And our first guest is JR Token himself, man. What's up, homie? Hey, how you doing, Scotty? Thanks for having me on. Oh, hell yeah, man. This is uh, I appreciate you coming on. And what, this is in response to us really trying to, to catch up. You know, there's certain parts of our games. I'm a, a proficient grower. Uh, when it comes to strains, it was kind of like whatever you handed me, I would grow the shit out of it. But I really didn't have a ton of choice back in, you know, in, in my uh, commercial days. And it was kind of, uh, you know, I didn't really focus on it too heavily, man. Uh, guys like Jr., you know, you're up in Oregon, man. Where shit, that's a, a a pretty man. They've been growing there for what 50 years, man. You know what I'm saying? Growing yeah. good cannabis. Absolutely, and we've had a really strong uh, cannabis culture. I mean, even in high school and and and, and growing up, even coming of age, uh, cannabis was a part of our scene just as much as alcohol was a part of a lot of other people's scene. Yeah, and good homegrown too, as, as well. Not not the commercial brick weed. You know, people smoked weed in you know in the eighties in, in my high school, but for the most part, it was commercial brick weed. You know. So, what year did you start seeing what you would consider to be killer green bud? I think in, in 1991, I want to say I saw somebody somebody sold me a gram of Afghani for tw- allegedly for twenty five dollars. You know, and that was the, you know, the start of, you know, the Crippies or the Chronics or whatever you wanted to call them. But, yeah, that was pretty much it. Other than that, you know, everybody was happy with their $100 ounces of the the Mexican brickweed, man. We're supporting El Chapo. (laughs) Yeah, and now you guys did have, well, you guys had that gang-filled green, too, as well. What year did that come onto the scene? Man, that had always been around. That had been through the 80s. I'd, I'd always heard people talking about that. But um, that didn't make it down. I think that was just the homegrown, and I think that kind of got swallowed up. The really supply was not able to meet demand. I mean, shit, you got what twelve million people in South Florida? That's a lot of, and and they like to party. 
it's a lot of weed to be smoked, man. So uh, for the most part, the the Mexican brick weed, you know, just systematically was coming in. Uh, every now and again, you know, back in the day, you could get some from Jamaica. But for the most part, it was just, a, you know, a system where, shit, I used to visit my same buddy 10 years in a row. You know, every you know every week for ten years in a row, always never never was he dry, man. Not one time. That's when I knew the war on drugs was bullshit, man. Even growing up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ain't that the truth? Jesus. Yeah, I, you know, we started we started seeing the really chronic indoor come about. I would say in about 1980 and 81, and I was always told that it was you know the servicemen who brought seeds back over. Uh, from serving over in Vietnam and stuff, and they kind of made their way from California up through Oregon and Washington, and we had this, you know, really kind of burgeoning chronic indoor scene, and I think our weather had a lot to do with us pushing the indoor limits as well. But I can remember being a kid and my dad renting to a guy who blew up a basement and couldn't afford the rent. So in return, he just left a drawer full of what I would consider to be some of the best fucking weed I've ever seen. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, got to pay them bills, man, one way or the other, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dad wasn't stoked, but I sure was. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome, man. <laughs> so, uh, so you've been studying these cultivars? You've been studying these uh, different strains for years now? Is that what I gather? Because you, you know a lot more about them than, than, than most people, man. I'll say that. Well, I'll be honest with you. The real, uh, you know, to really be into the genetics that have been going on for the last, I would say, 10 years here uh, is relatively uh, new to me. I mean, like you said, when, when I was younger, it was either skunk bud or we had, like, some cantaloupe bud, which was your fruity strain, or we had, like, some, uh, you know, like some uh, super silver haze. That kind of stuff was coming around in the mid to late 80s. And and so strains were not as, as much of a focus as they are now. And I really shouldn't say strains because we are talking about botany here and and strains are for living organisms like bacteria and uh, and uh, uh, fungi and stuff like that. So to call it a cultivar or variety, I guess, is the right way to explain it. But I really started getting into the varieties lately because I wanted to know what was going to, what profiles were going to kind of work for my pain, so that I could say to myself, you know, hey man, this particular uh, Girl Scout cookie, man, this is the one for you, buddy. And so the genetics and, and everything that went to its creation became really important to me. So then I started, uh, you know, kind of studying around and strings, uh, or cultivars started becoming uh, really popular here as a way to market and brand. Sure. And a lot of it is branding and marketing. And that's why I thought that Philo's project was kind of neat is because they're going to try to do some evolutionary mapping of cannabis so that we can look at these genetic markers and say, oh, well, that Girl Scouts is really nothing but uh, this land race that was crossed with this, and it's basically that, you know? Right. So and, and what, is that, what is that real quick? Tell the audience real quick. That's the Phylos Project, you said? Yeah, it's uh, uh, the Phylos Project, and then it's spelled uh, P-H-Y-L-O-S. And basically what you can do is you can submit seeds or you could submit leaf tissue samples 
of any cannabis, even if it's like a 30-year-old crap seed that you got back in the day, submit it. They want to have that DNA so that they can do this sequencing, and they're going to try to do this mapping of the history of cannabis through genome sequencing. Wow, that is cool, man. And, I mean, it's it's going to happen where the big technology is going to come into cannabis, even just for – I was talking to – some uh, it was Dr. Tom recently, and it was about all that Guardian bullshit and everything like that. And he was telling me that, like, you know, big business is looking even at hemp production, hemp for fiber. It, was, it sounded like a Jack, you know, something that Jack Harrow would say, man. You know, he was talking about all these different, you know, hemp for fuel, you know, using the, you know, making hempcrete, all this stuff. They were saying is it's coming, man. You know, it's a great starter material. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think all. All of us have been cannabinoid stars for far too long. We're going to start getting cannabinoids back in our life, whether it's the fiber that we close our door with or it's the food that we put in our mouth. I love it, man. I love it. All right, man, so we started this, and uh, JR is going to lead the way here. We'll probably be having different folks show up. And uh, just like I said, my New Year's resolution this year was to get more folks on the show, more voices, sharing more of their knowledge. So... JR, tell us something. You got you got a strain in mind you want to kick it off for, man? Yeah, I would like to talk about our Blue Magoo here that we are real famous for here in Oregon. Uh, it's a cross between uh, blue DJ Short's Blueberry and the F2 Williams Wonder, which is a uh, Williams Wonder is a strain that was bred here in Oregon. So a little bit of Northwest love right there. Uh, the nice thing about the Blue Magoo is it's a uh, nice, tight internodal spacing. It uh, does really well with training, and it puts out probably one of the most blueberry-flavored crosses that I've ever tried of the blueberry strains. Wow. Now, is this a clone-only or seed available? How does this work? Yes, this is clone-only, and it has been that way for years. I don't think that this has ever been a seed-available yeah, because as soon as you uh, start dealing with seeds, you start dealing with uh, cultivars, man, cultivated varieties. You know, you throw a thousand seeds out, or phenotypes, I guess would be more an accurate word. But you take it, you know, you throw a thousand seeds out, man, you're going to get, you know, a good ver- a good amount that look like one. You know, who, who knows, man? Shit, you might get 500 different, different characters. I don't say you might get 10 different characteristics of plants with a thousand seeds, man. You know, so it's one absolutely. Of the, yeah. So if you're talking, this is the most blueberry smelling strain, we'll just say um, you're, it's kind of hard to repeat that with seed unless it's what a, a real, you know, and I was told that a lot of this shit has been thrown by the wayside since the mid 80s when we were learning about dominant and recessive traits in, in biology class. But that's how it used to yeah. work that, you know, I mean, that, you know, they would, uh, uh, shit, I I can't even remember. I'm trying to remember back to my Krebs square in the lesson. But, yeah, man, and then two dominant traits didn't necessarily make another dominant trait. It could be recessive. So there was all sorts of weird stuff that would, uh, wouldn't would make sense. It, it didn't make follow logical patterns if you were talking about, oh, this one should, you know, this this plant should do exactly that. You Really, it was a crapshoot with seeds, man. Yeah, you know, and, it, and a lot of these breeders who are, you know, I can understand that they're really scared to let go of their intellectual property, but they have the P1s. They have the parent stock that probably most people don't have. And so they have the ability to make it a unique product. So when Aaron from DNA Genetics uh, breaks out his uh, uh, lemon skunk, 
you can go and try and replicate it by breathing with the breed with the breeds that he had, but unless, like you said, he has those exact phenotypes, then you're not going to get the exact same lemon skunk that he produces. Right, right, and that's where the only way to get that is through a clone-only strain, so or through a clone, I should say, and that's where these clone-only strains come from. These are legendary phenotypes that someone is, you know, replic- you know it's just cloning, basically. You know, so I, I think that's uh, kind of important when we're talking about some of these uh, genetics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that's why tissue culture is so exciting right now. Oh, hell yeah. That's a goddamn time machine right there, man. Well, I mean, just the volume. I mean, they were, they're talking about being able to do 20,000 clones a week in a lab. You definitely can. And, I mean, it's completely and scalable, it's, too. And they say that after 13 or 14 times of of culturing it, it, it genetically purifies itself. It, you can get it to drop its hermaphroditic uh, traits and just have it be a pure uh, form of that genetics. Yeah, I mean, we had a, a grant from, uh, you know, Costa Mesa Steve's Tissue Culture Lab on who was talking about that, and he was saying when you just pull from a callus, then it's uh, it's just an absolutely pure, no, you know, uh, you know, whatever genetic mal, you know, it's pure to, it's true to his genetic genetics. I'll say, it's true to his yes. genetics. There you go. And and free from all pathogens. Yeah, that's a super important thing, man. Like we had that uh, uh, Norris Monson on who was talking about Fusarium. How the shit gets, you know, if you got a clone only strain and the mother gets Fusarium, good luck, man. Yeah, you're done. So tell me more about, come on, we're, we're getting off top subject here, which, by the way, I, I love to do, man. The dude's always keeping me in line, and you can tell he ain't here, man. But uh, so what do we got? Man? So, uh, yeah, basically we were talking about the blue magoo and its lineage and, 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 it, uh, uh, and its height, but I would also, you know, add to its uh, bag appeal. I mean, the smell and bag appeal on, on the blue magoo is just, it's, it's wonderful. And uh, the thing that is about here in Oregon is we do have genetics available. And, and I, I, I feel for all those guys in the South and in prohibition states who don't have easy access to clones and they rely on seeds and seed companies to keep them growing. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, I mean, you can always get, you know, a, a, you know I mean, you grab your balls once and get a few packets of seeds in and... Uh, you know, kind of start from there and just keep mothers. But I guess you're right. I see your point, man. And I just think that it's, you know, it's it's different for them, you know. Like, for me, I know if shit goes, if I have problems in my nursery, all I got to do is go down to my local dispensary and I can restock my genetic shelf with just about any tasty flavor I want. Sure, man. Sounds like and, a, I'm not trying to be a dick, but that sounds like a good way to get powdery mildew and, uh, and uh, spider mites, man, you know. Fuck, that scares the hell out of me going to... That is the one thing I'll say that was different back in the day. We kept our own genetics, but we never, like, brought anything in or out. You know, I guess we brought it out, but we never brought anything into the, uh, you know, into the grow. So we really were able to keep pests and uh, powdery mildew and all that shit at bay, man, you know? It scares the shit out of me to start going to a dispensary and then bringing them into my, uh, you know, into my grow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, for little guys with a closet, you know, who can't really, you know, afford the time to breed out, check it out, make sure it's a female, you know, and run it through for a guy who, 
and especially in a tissue sample culture that we'll probably be heading to, I'll have a library of strains. I'll order it. They'll grow it through tissue. They'll throw it in a ship of clone, and I'll get it to my doorstep in two days. You know what I mean, or whatever. Oh, I know what you mean, man. You know, put me in a time capsule, man. I'll go to 2018 when that shit's when I can order that shit in the back of High Times, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sounds good to me, man. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah, and I think I think as long as we keep sharing our genetics with these uh, with these uh, scientific communities and start getting some genetic libraries built up, the sooner the better. Because we have a lot of rare phenotypes right now that I I can see will be lost in time. You know. I do, and I think we're going to be able to get them back. I'll bet you that you know Colorado State University and the, the big land grant universities are going to get involved because there's so much cons- you know medicinal concern and agricultural concern, you know, where if we can use these, you know, as, uh, as something like cotton or something like that, you know, if we can replace cotton with hemp or at least put a dent in it, and it you know, takes a little bit less resources, a little bit less resource intensive. Shit, you're going to see a lot of research being put towards that, man. There's a lot of hungry farmers out there, hardworking farmers that are looking to get the most bang for their buck out of their their you know acreage. If that means planting hemp, you know, and harvesting the CBD, and then get, and then getting the uh, fiber after that, man. What sounds sounds good to me? Sounds interesting. Oh yeah. Oh, it's going to be a lot more appealing than corn, I imagine. <laughs> All right, man. We went way off subject. The dude will yell at us, but I had a good time talking to you, Jr. All right, Scott. It's always a pleasure to be on the show, and I'm really stoked about the DGC this year. I think 2016 is definitely going to be our year. Oh, man, we just keep on building, and it's you know I built what I could because I wanted it for my you know for selfish reasons, man. I wanted it for myself. I wanted to be able to go to DudeGrows.com. And uh, be able to check out all the news. I wanted to be able to see what other people were growing, what other people were watching, uh, you know, the, the equipment other people are using, what people are smoking, all that stuff, man. And between that and and uh, Mr. Ray Embarcadero, man, came over and told me about Google Plus and started that Google Plus group for us. That has just been a, yes. awesome, man. So many real friends over there. Shit, me and you are real friends, man. You know what I'm saying? From Google Plus group and, and hanging out over there, man. So it's it's Absolutely. real. Yeah, it's really cool. It's been a joy, man, and uh, couldn't be happier for 2016. You know, it's one of them things. What do they say, man? You, you know, if, if 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 it doesn't feel like work, man, you'll probably succeed. You know, if you, if you do yeah. what you, if you do what you love, you know, you never work a day in your life, man. So I, I can't tell when I'm working anymore, man. I just know I'm have, having, right on, having a good time and learning a shitload and really enjoying this plant, man. I mean, it's just yes. so, so cool what's happening that we're actually able to put all this work that we've that we've put in for shit. I got 20 plus years in this industry and I didn't think I was ever going to be able to say a fucking word to it. I thought I was going to just have to, re, you know, going to retire and go, you know, whatever, sell bamboo. And yeah, of course I could take the lessons that I learned to grow some other crop, but it's such a joy that now we're able to really share the specifics of everything we learned, man. And it's nice. It's almost, you know, the crew is kind of like your, it's kind of like your hall of justice where you've got your Superman, on who knows just about everything there is to know about LED lighting. Right. You've got your or you've got your organic guy who knows just about everything about true living organics. I mean it's and the and it's just a strength in numbers and, and to be able to reach out to the community and help bring up our brothers and sisters who are just learning, I mean it's just a powerful thing and I'm really thankful for it. It's done a lot for me. 
Yeah, I, I enjoy the hell out of it. It's, it's done a lot for me as well, and nothing makes me happier when I hear somebody. We get a lot of them, too. Emails saying, yo, man, I've been growing for a year. I'm doing great, and I wouldn't have done it without the DGC, man. I'm like, fuck, yeah, man, to be really kicking out dank within a year, you know, means that that you're doing it right, man. You know, and all that means is you just didn't listen to a bunch of bullshit, man. <laughs> you know, there's so much. I think it's deliberate misinformation sometimes, man. But there's just so much bullshit out there, man. It's really nice to uh, uh, just be able to get a good, uh, you know, a good uh, baseline and, and just go from there, man. A lot of it has to do with having good genetics available too. I'm sure. Good equipment yeah, available. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, brother, good and bullshit. Access, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, man. That's exactly what I mean. You know, the whole everything's changing. Where if you're growing, if you're starting from Mexican reg bag seed, you know, good good luck bringing the dank with that shit, man. Not that you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you can't. Right, but. right. I mean, you might get some some rare Oaxacan gold, you know, but I wonder what it like looks like. I'll bet that shit looks great if you go over to you know, like in the fields in Mexico. I'll bet that shit looks good. Well, you know, some old head always told me there's a difference between brown weed and gold weed. <laughs> okay, I'll buy I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Right on, Scotty. Uh, all right, Jr. Man, I'll talk to you soon, man. Think of some think of some other strain talk we we can have, man. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk to you soon, brother. All right, growers love. Growers love. Growers love. All right, that wasn't that wasn't too bad. I'll take it. But yeah, next time I'm hanging. Oh, I'm hanging. we'd love for you to hang, brother. Anytime, man. Anytime <laughs> the dude's not there, it's because he's somewhere else, man. Always invited, my friend. All right. <laughs> what? Okay, we already we already talked a little, I believe, uh, about the dude you, tube. You know dude what? Tube. I did. I, I wanted to here. go over a couple things I saw on dude tube because you guys should check this out. Okay. It's a category on dudegrows.com. I'll tell you what, I never saw your ISS before. I don't really go to the Dude Grows YouTube channel, man. I think I'm scared of the comments there or something. Gotcha. <laughs> but I stay, I stay on the whole <laughs> base, man. So uh, DudeGrows.com, man, I went and saw your... Dude, how did you get that Island Sweet Skunk to turn so purple, man? What is that just a, this week's video, or is that a newer video? Uh, yeah, that was a newer one. That was strictly just day and night temp differentials. It went through during the proper time in flowering. It went through, uh, you know, which I would say would have been week five, six, seven at night. Man, I was having up to 30-degree swings in there. I would peak out at upper 70s, and I would get down at times to almost below, probably, yeah, below 50, uh, 45 and whatnot. And I'd never seen that before in the Island Sweet Skunks. That was, that was Incredibly refreshing. Incredibly looking man, real like good. Super, super purple. That was... Kind of interesting. I've never seen that same either. Cut, yeah, same cut I've always had. What, I'm sorry, what would you say? Um, same cut I've always had as well. So, Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty weird, man. It tells you what a different environment can do. That's for sure. So that's uh, Island Sweet Skunk grown using RX Green Solutions. It's right, right on the homepage. Um, this Quizzo tutorial looked pretty interesting. I'm going to check that out. And uh, I was listening, and you know how every now and again you could take something out of context, and it's kind of funny? So if you guys want to check out DudeGrows.com, the first person to tell me who says, but I can tell you right now, that hole sucks <laughs> on DudeTube. Whoever said that, gets a, whoever can tell me who said that gets a thousand nooks. Well, you got to find it in a video? You got to find it in a video, and it's on DudeTube. It's not hard. 
you know, I, I was just scouting the, uh, <laughs> I was scouting the uh, videos today, man, and I just heard somebody, I go, what? What the hell did he say? And he goes, but I can tell you right now, that hole sucks. And I just started laughing my ass off, being like, right now, that's the dirtiest <laughs> thing ever said on DudeTube, man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, speaking of the website, uh, let's give some uh, some weekly hookups here for some good content. Oh, by the way, see your first one I'm here. so Some sorry, man. Cron Burgundy. Real quick, man. Go to, I got to finish yeah. that out real quick. Go to this, ep- this episode uh-huh. and leave a comment on this episode, and you'll get 1,000 nugs. The first person to, to tell me who said that gets 1,000 nugs. How many? 1,000 nugs. 1,000 nugs, man. Oh, okay. I thought you said 6,000. I did not mean to interrupt. I couldn't help but listen to the last episode where you're telling me you're over me saying I'm so sorry. And I couldn't help but think of Pee Wee Herman and the Cheech and Chong movies where he goes, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. You know that one? That's the <laughs> best one, man. Pee Wee Herman's all coked out, man. That is the craziest movie ever, man. Well, I'm looking over here from Cron Burgundy. And uh, he, he chimed in with the DGC logo idea. Yeah. I like it. I like, I like it. this, too. I posted it's it. It's over on there's dudegroads.com forward slash merch, M-E-R-C-H. We've been trying to get somebody to spark a, some T-shirts, maybe, I don't know, maybe a hemp blend. or It doesn't really matter to me as long as it's a, a good shirt. And he sent in a sweet logo for it's a D, a G, and a C. It'd be a cool hat. All man. interlocked together. Yeah, it would definitely make a cool hat. And the cool thing about the DGC is, you know, if you're in the Prohibition era, you can just make up whatever you want. You know, you could say, oh, that means... Uh, I work for the David you know, Geffen Corporation. Gutters Coalition. <laughs> What'd you say? The David, David Geffen Corporation. I'm a key grip. All right. It, whatever you want whatever you want to make up on there, Dude, you can do that. As long as that. nobody asks you but, what a key grip is, you're good. Yeah, help us out, man. Dudegrows.com forward slash merch. If you guys are a user of the site, I believe you can just uh, log you know, log in, make a post, and we'll put it over there in that arena. We definitely want to get some shirts made, some hats made. Over there we can see uh, if you go there, let's see here, forward slash M-E-R-C-H. There's a, a vape pen from Source Vapes that uh, – who made that? think it was from cody and you know what man i actually i actually approached source vapes with that idea yesterday man i said come on let's do it yeah he's got dude grow show going down the battery which is pretty sweet uh and man uh, now that i'm here real quick if you guys need a vape pen hit it up sourcevapes.com coupon code dude is all you need strongly recommend Uh, i think it's 89 dollars for the orb xl with the travel whole travel kit dealio Oh, man, that's the goods. Yeah, Scotty likes to be able to hold a whole gram in his. I strongly <laughs> recommend the Orb 3 because I'm not as much of a stoner. I, so. It's ridiculous, anyway. man. Actually, maybe I don't recommend this one because, dude, I think it's the second or third time this week I've just packed a gram in there. You know, just roll up this little little Tootsie Roll, <laughs> a little jelly bean, man, and you chuck it in there, and you're good to go for a few days. It's great. So how, how many nugs are we giving out on these? What do we got, man? On which one? Oh, oh, for Cron Burgundy and the logo, Cron man. Burgundy, and these, you get 2,500 nugs for that biatch, man. That logo is badass. That t- must have taken you a lot of time. Thank you so much for, uh, for putting in the time, brother. We appreciate you. Have a little recharge on me, you said man. 2,500 for Cron Burgundy. You said 2,500? Yeah, while we're doing it, man, we want to talk about our, our favorite memes. Because <laughs> motherfuckers always make yes. me laugh, man. 
Yeah, hit it up. What did you find? My 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 twenty five hundred nugs is going to Dablo Escobud because that shit is funny, man. He's got this old lady and smelling a bag of weed, and it says, "Is that the recharge, bud?" Here, I'm pulling it up here now. Let's see. Sorry, I didn't I didn't have it to ready yet. <laughs> is that oh, badass nice. or what? Oh, man? that. Hell yeah, that's pretty hilarious. If you guys want to make one of these, you can just go over to dudegrows.com, uh, log in, go to the meme area, and uh, or you just you, yeah, you do it right from the meme area, I believe, right? The, the top navigation yep. that says meme. Yeah, absolutely. Or you can just man, I kind of meant for the homepage right. to be something where you could just scroll down, you know, check it every couple days or every day or so, and just uh, just scroll down and keep on scrolling. There's a whole bunch of stuff to check out, and you just press back afterwards, go back to or home, go back to the homepage. But most of the stuff is accessible from the homepage, and you just click that category title that you like if you want to see more memes. What's that tag? Vote and win. I think that's actually under on the homepage. All right. That works. That works. All right. 2,500 nugs for Dablo. Yeah, Let's man. Go, Keep them coming, Which man. always reminds me. But, I wish that series was coming back. I just go said ahead. they're great, man. Keep them coming. One more from Wait What? Wait What? <laughs> What'd you find over here? Uh, <clears throat> Snow Goddess 303 Seeds. And this is just a yeah, – you found this. Why don't you, why don't you explain what you got going on here? Is this a strain Yeah, man. Review? This is like, a strain review, man. Okay, cool. Uh, really decent strain review, or actually a, a damn good strain review from Wait What, who uh, I think he said, he, yeah, he is a, a bud tender at a dispensary, so I would ex- expect him to, to have a good understanding of, of of cannabis, man. And, yeah, so he tells me he picked up this clone at Denver clone, clone store. This is, this is uh, Snow Goddess from 303 Seeds. And, uh, but, man, it gives you a total dry weight, uh, calyx to leaf structure uh smell high then he gives it rating out of five you know look is three out of five smell four out of five taste three out of five high two out of five so you know this this is cool (laughs) as shit man this is a really great rating system he came up with man so definitely some good pictures some picture of the trips man i mean uh, as well as the whole plant hung up to dry so yeah yeah, these all these takes effort i know because i do this shit you know a, a lot and when i see People contributing and and taking the time to uh, post really good quality content to our site, man, it fucking makes me happy, man. It really makes me feel like what we're doing, this community we're building, is really working, man. And that just motivates me to build it stronger, man, to invest more into it. So, hell yeah, man. Thank you, Wait What. Shout out to ya. (laughs) All right, before we get into the best part of the show for me, what's going on in our grows Let's make a record what's going on back-to-back. Let's do the back-to-back here with Wes from Emerald Scientific as well as uh, Dr. Tom from Grow More and and hear a little bit more, not just only about the guardian issue, but just standardization, uh, some history on ivermectin. Is that it? Ivermectin. All right, ivermectin uh, and some dropping. Yeah, this is a good section to get out your notepad. If you care, it's a bunch of dropping science, good information. And we'll be back with what's going on. I'm calling Dr. J, man. Something tells me Dr. J is drinking a little ivermectin in his life, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll be right back. Dude grows. Dude's very 
superstitious Battles of massive on the wall Dude's very superstitious Does it work at all? For more weeks of Scotty Real hanging out with Dr. Tom. Dr. Tom is, uh, what is your Grow More title, my friend? I'm the global sales manager here at Grow More. Global sales manager of Grow More, an entomologist to boot, correct, sir? Yes, sir. I have my doctorate in entomology with a minor in plant pathology, but what I've worked on, Scotty, over my whole career, what my uh, PhD from the University of Wisconsin is in is integrated pest management. And uh, what I've done is I've changed that up over the years to really talk about integrated production management. So I sort of wear hats on everything from irrigation to fertilizer, obviously grow more fertilizer, to uh, the pest management side of it. And the reason being is if you don't get all the stuff right with the genetics, the plant, the soil, the water, the fertilizer, you never get to the pests. (laughs) so we got to integrate all the production side of the whole equation and the same goes for field agriculture in the world but and the good news is if we do all the the horticultural stuff right like we've got our clean rooms our clean air our clean water our good fertilizer our good genetics we usually don't have to fight these pests all the time so that's kind of how we want to go with ipm if we can exclude mites um, and root aphid and aphids and white flies, all that stuff. If we can use exclusion, that's like 99.99% of the battle. We'll never have to spray a pesticide, and we would all love that. But that's not the, the total world because we've got a lot of stuff going on out there where we bring in 
parent material and other things that move it around. But so anyway, that's my background. I'll let you talk. <laughs> I, I, I love it, and that's a, why I immediately reached for the phone to call to call you, Doctor Tom, because man, there is a uh, people are freaking out, and I'm pretty upset myself. One of these products that was kind of tout, it was completely touted as a natural uh, pest product. I actually talked to you about it, a product called Guardian, and it was supposed to have cinnamon oil in it and lemongrass oil and all this stuff. And I remember talking to you and Jake about it. Y'all were in a car, and I was we were chit chatting. And you're like, Scotty, if it's too good to be true, it probably is, man. I'd be really curious to, to, to know what's really going on with that product. And what was really going on with that product, it, it was it had just loaded with ivermectin, which I remember ivermectin from going to the tractor supply store and giving it to my horse as like an anti-parasitic, I thought, you know, at least for worms or something. Uh you know, it sounds a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah, it sounds like the active ingredient in Avid. Isn't that like Avermectin or something like that? You yeah, know? you're right on with all that, and it's uh, it's sad. And I'm sure there's some people who today are freaking out. And and the guys that are, have done this are really in a world of hurt because one of the things government doesn't like for from a consumer protection standpoint, and I actually agree with this is that, you know, we got to have truth in all this stuff. And if you're going to use a pesticide, there's a whole system in place in the world about residues. And the main thing that we really care about is worker safety. You don't want to put something out there, misrepresent it, and hurt somebody. I mean, heaven forbid, we're trying to grow medicine to help people, and then you might do something to hurt somebody. That's just bad, total bad karma. It sure is. And so in a situation like this, getting back to the issue of, uh, Avermectin and this whole thing. If you got a moment, I'd, I'll give you a little history about this whole class of compounds. They're very, very interesting. Please do. Uh, you want me to give a little background there to kind of put it into, into the context? Um, there's a whole class of compounds that uh, are called the Avermectin family. And you're familiar with products like Avid, which people know, or in this case, you, you use Ivermectin from the veterinary standpoint in the world. And these are, um, chemical name of these is macrocyclic lactones, which is a big chemical long name. But what these are, they're a fermentation product, in other words, like brewing beer, of a fungus-like bacterium called Streptomyces avermatilis. And it was interesting, back in 1975, these two dudes, a guy named Satoshi Omura, he's a Japanese guy in the University of Japan, he identified this initial compound as having mitocidal activity way back in 1975 from a soil sample. And people used to run around and look in soil a lot for these kind of things because natural organisms like streptomyces produce antibiotics. Well, this would be an example of something like an antibiotic. It just happens to kill mites and worms and stuff. Well, anyway, he hooked up with a guy named William Campbell of the Merck Institute, which was the chemical company back in 19... Uh, 75 or na actually in 1980, they introduced these first products, Avid or the one that's the miticide and then Ivermectin. <laughs> and it, it's very interesting. These two guys, for that work they did, the main function of this uh, Ivermectin around the world has been to control the parasitic worms, which are actually infecting billions of people on the earth. These two guys, Omura and Campbell, shared a half of a Nobel Prize last year for medicine and physiology. So there's a great part of this story in that we've helped a lot of people in the world uh, with the ivermectin controlling things like river blindness, different parasites, a whole lot of uh, 
diseases around the world where we're trying to control nematodes with the ivermectin thing or in the case of your horse, you know, roundworms and that kind of stuff. So it's been a real blessing to human health around the world, Nobel Prize-like blessing. But um, in terms of uh, where we are in something like our case now on, on some, you know, some medicine where we're trying to control mites indoors, you, it's really not the application um, that's on the label. So here I am wearing two hats. One, I sound like a government guy, which is not my usual uh, way of talking. And then secondly, on the other hand, I'm a guy that's trying to do pest control or pest management so we can get after the mites. But again, ivermectin was uh, introduced back in the 80s. Very, very valuable for humankind in terms of uh, controlling worms, parasites. Interestingly enough, stuff like... uh, Oh, you know, mites, uh, mites being uh, mites and um, what am I trying to say here? Uh, you know, basically things like, um, well, cooties or uh, gosh, what, uh, lice, head lice, body sure. lice, sure. all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of funny in one way, if you, you know, if you had lice in your dreadlocks, ivermectin would be a benefit to you. <laughs> and in fact, kids who now get head lice in the elementary school, uh, they uh, they use over-the-counter ivermectin for right. those applications. So all that said is background. These compounds, uh, both Avid or um, that that particular one, avermectin, and then ivermectin, they're pretty toxic uh, compounds. Obviously, if we have thousands and hundreds of thousands of people around the world taking ivermectin as an anti-worm material, in other words, to control parasites in their body, it's not super, super human toxic, and we know the doses and that kind of thing. And here's the issue. What we don't know is if we're dealing with something that's being inhaled or something that we're um, ingesting, you know, we know what we do if we take it as a pill for kids that have hookworms in the southern U.S. or something. We know those rates, those doses, or we know how to give it to your horse without killing your horse. Right. What we don't know is if your horse were to smoke it, what would happen? <laughs> Probably get high. <laughs> yeah, well, who knows? But So on one hand, um, I'll just say this really simply. We're in a weird, frustrating place for all of us because we have tools that are out there in conventional ag, or in this case in human health and in you know parasite control around the world, that we, in patterns that we use them, we know how to safely use them, we have the guards and everything in place, the residue analysis, all that stuff is understood. Where we go into an arena where we don't have that stuff registered or labeled or figured out or something like medical cannabis, that's where we run into a challenge. And certainly going against this stuff illegally and using things that are off-label, it's very frustrating because you've got you've got people in, in place now like, you know, Botech Analysis Corp and stuff, they're looking at the market, they're analyzing in the final products, they're looking for these illegal residues. And all of this is going to change up over the next few years, and I'm looking forward to my role in helping with IPM and talking about all the things like exclusion, you know, keeping the bugs out of there. And when we have to use pesticides, it's the same thing like we've done in ag since the 70s. We want to do integrated management of those. You know, get by with the things that are the plant washes like our Easy Wet SE Grow More. That's a detergent-based material. Right. That we don't make pesticidal claims. We just wash the mite off the plant. That's all you got to do is get it off of where it is, okay? And so you've got some things like that that are safe and selective, but there's times if you've got, if you're moving stuff around and you really have a big mite population, 
you're going to have to go into the more heavy hitter chemistries. And the government's working hard right now to get these things registered. You've got your states like Colorado and Oregon and everybody obviously uh, pumping around really hard to get this thing done uh, so that you guys can all have a tool chest of registered, legitimate, safely managed materials. Uh, Eagle 25, I think it's called Eagle 24. Eagle 20. Eagle 20. Uh, Eagle 20. I'm sorry, I don't know the name on that fungicide, but the those are sterile inhibitors that we've had around for a number of years. We have residues established on strawberries, all the rest of our food. But there again, you get into this situation where you're using it in cannabis. We haven't done the work there, and people get panicky, they freak out. In general, I think what you can do is try to calm down the hysteria. And the sort of the take-home I have on the ivermectin thing, ivermectin, a couple guys got half of a Nobel Prize for helping humanity with it. When we have people ingested for control of worms and stuff in their body, you know, nematodes and, you know, pinworms, that kind of stuff, right. it doesn't kill us. Is it optimal? Do we not, you know, I'm not, I don't think it's something that uh, we want to use off-label, but, heck, it's not something that I think is so bad that, you know, you're dealing with something like methylparathion or would be an organophosphate or something like that. Right. So right. that's long-winded, long-winded lot of talk there for saying a few things that, in general, uh, this class of chemistry are the best miticides. You know, Avid and those materials, we have never seen the resistance in the field. They are used on every acre of strawberries every season. We mix them with stuff like Easy Wet SE to drive them into the plant more efficiently. And if we use them in the right as per label approach and, you know, wear your safety gear if you're going to spray anything. I don't care if you're even whatever it is you spray, you know, it's it's like you want to wear the protective gear. You don't want to spray anything in your eyes. You don't want to get it on your skin. You want to put it on the leaf where it's supposed to go after a mite. And uh, that's why we have all that stuff on labels that came after World War II, because up until that time, a lot of people were made sick because they weren't using any kind of protective gear. So in our modern grows, there's no reason to not be high-tech with this stuff. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't bullshit around with taking a bunch of antibiotic pills and do it in a weird way, you know. I think it says on the label, you know, you don't want to mix with alcohol. So next time you take a Z-Pack for a bad cold, you know, don't chase it with tequila. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it says you shouldn't or you can't, okay? Look, I've had this argument before. <laughs> Everything is suggested on labels, you know. Well, actually, the, the pesticide labels, the reason they came about and are very draconian and they say you can't do X, Y, Z is because, unfortunately, we have a history of people have been hurt. Right. And so when that happens, we make our rules very firm that, you know, you can't apply this stuff without a respirator, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, it's, you know, I'm old enough to remember when the orange grows by my house as a kid growing up in the Redlands, uh, they were spraying methylparathion, which is a very volatile nerve gas. And as little kids, we would get little stomach aches from it, you know, and that was a little bit of non-target toxicity. Didn't kill us. You know, we learned the lesson. We used to like it. It smelled like garlic. But anyway... <laughs> Jesus. The world has changed that way for the better in a lot of respects. We, You know, around the world now we follow these labels, and it's just very frustrating. And, again, the kind of the baddie thing is if you're going to take something like one of these uh, selective cuticle disruptors, like Safer Soap, a product I worked on for years in my life, and these things like Easy Wet SE, they're effective. They'll, they'll, they'll take the mites off the plant. They'll wash them away in a, in a very safe and selective way. They're not 100% effective because coverage is involved. But if you get one of those products and somebody's cheating and throwing in a, a broad-spectrum poison, 
that's really not cool karma. It's a bad deal. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree and with I'm you sure more. And I'm sure people are frustrated. Yeah, yeah, people are frustrated because, you know, why would you do that? And there's somebody who's going to be in a serious amount of hurt over that whole deal. Government doesn't like it, and I, I kind of concur on that. It shouldn't be that. You know what they say, man. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So let's learn. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, you know, I empathize with guys. None of us want to see pests on plants. You know, that's been my whole career working with these safer and selective and microbial pesticides where it's available. Um, we have a lot of tools now. There's a whole tool chest of organic fungicides, pesticides. I mean, organic, national organic program. Uh, registered. I'm the vice chairman of the National, uh, the uh, California Fertilizer Association, Organic Fertilizer Association, and we have those companies are out there. There's dozens and dozens of products that are NOP allowed under organics, and uh, a lot of that stuff there, again, we're scrambling to get those registrations on cannabis. It's just when it was all, when everything was a gorilla grow and there was nothing favorable from the government perspective, all that stuff was hidden. And now it's all coming out, and we all need those good tools. So we're all working. we got a lot of experts and people like yourself that know all about the grows and stuff. So we'll keep having these discussions and keep telling people, you know, right now just hang on. It's frustrating, we know, but you got to go with the way it's done legally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But everything has to change, you know. Change happens slow. I think I was saying that on a show a couple of days ago. And as it comes out from you know, from these closet growers and boy, there was a lot of slack when it was unregulated and, you know, the product, the end product sold at $4,000 a pound with a lot of slack and a lot of reason to slack. So kind of different now that it's all being inspected and, um, and greenhouse growers, you know, really good growers, guys that can, you know, make money on 88 cent zennias are coming into the market. So yeah, we're, we're faced with an enormous amount of change. I try to be a really optimistic guy and look at all the benefit that's going to bring us because we'll all we'll always have our really high tech, great indoor super production, you know, lights and uh, all of our highest technology production will be there because we're we're going in arenas where we need that production and we need some of these high levels of chemistries and so forth coming out of the out of the produce. But the issue is. We're going to have a lot of outdoor stuff. I mean, we're going to finally get back into hemp for fiber and things. And I'm chomping at the bit because I want to see this thing under a big center pivot irrigation. I've worked on those things for years of my career. Wow. And uh, I love growing, I love growing the hemp plant. It's a wonderful thing. It has so many uses. If you Ralph Nader was a keynote speaker at the last uh, hemp business meeting this last year in in uh, Las Vegas, and he talked about the whole economy coming out of the coming into the main front in, in America and creating all this wonderful economy, everything from food, fiber, renewable uh, energy, oils, all those positive things that come out of this. So we're going to have a lot of areas where we get to focus, and uh, those of us who have expertise in the intense indoor grows, that'll something that will always continue to be there because it's going to just flip right over into our greenhouse growing. And greenhouse growers right now, who are still setting off a lot of foggers and bombs and stuff to control the junk in their green or the insects and pests in their greenhouses, they got the same limitations we do. You know, we just don't have the, the materials. But, you know, it's great talking to you always, Scotty, because you guys are upbeat and you're getting information out. And a lot of this in my soul is about teaching. I love to teach. 
Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> we're loving to learn, man. So I appreciate you bringing some facts into the, into the situation here. A lot of fear mongering and a lot of uh, a lot of just screaming online. So it's it's nice to get some facts about about the actual chemical. And uh, yeah, I feel a bit better now, man. I feel a bit better knowing that. Well, good. Yeah. I mean, again, it's sad that that happened. The Guardian guys have got to be uh, scrambling at this point, and I don't know who. I haven't seen the detail yet on. Who, who who elucidated this in their product, but that will ch- cause them to change what they're doing. And again, um, if you've used something that if you've used a contaminated Guardian product, I think the ivermectin the amount that was in there probably isn't something that someone would worry about. But there'll be some smart people looking at this in uh, a lot of ways. They're going to analyze all that stuff, and maybe you know it's been a positive thing on it. Maybe people will understand that ivermectin turns out being one of the best things that we can put into a product like a cuticle disruptor for mite control in a greenhouse. So, because we know <laughs> the human health benefit this has been, it might turn out to be the great thing. Right. The guys that did it illegally are going to get whacked, but the guys that are going forward on uh, in the future, we're going to weigh all this in the balance. So, it's all positive stuff. Interesting, man. Well, I love your positive spin, Dr. Tom. Much appreciated, man. I appreciate him. You know, I, I just called Dr. Tom after getting a couple pretty frantic emails from the DGC saying, hey, you know, I just basically bathed my hands in this stuff last night, man, or two nights ago. What, what's up, man? Long term, short term, everything going to be OK? So I, I feel a, a little bit more comfortable. And I think because I, I bathed my hands in it, too. You know, I didn't use protective yeah. equipment when I was spraying my plants, and I, I was a little bit concerned too. But knowing that they give it to uh, to children to to beat worms uh, and parasites, I think that uh, if I breathed a little bit or inhaled a little bit in, I don't think I'm going to worry too much about not lose too much sleep over it. No, again, it's I think there's a safety issue here, and I'm not a again I'm not an insecticide pesticide regulatory specialist or from the legal side of this. So I can't comment on those issues other than I do, like I said before, I do believe in how we register things for human protection. Those are systems that our government spend a lot of time and energy to make right. And, you know, even if you just have something like clove oil or some of the essential natural products like garlic, why would you want to cover your body and stink like that stuff anyway? <laughs> so just keep it off your damn body, you know? It's true, man. What's this? Chili oil, which I love, then I, would, I wouldn't mind it, you know? They have a little behind your chair. No, I'm kidding. No, but, what, you uh, know, what's again, a spray suit? Just, Ten bucks for a paper spray suit? You can buy the little pla- you know, little paper one with the zipper. I mean. Yeah, yeah those white Tyvek. Right. I, Tyvek's probably a brand that I'm not trying to promote. But, yeah, those those uh, those suits that you can get anywhere, they're a pain to work in. But, yeah, you get them off. And let's face it, you don't want your clothes to smell like clove or garlic or any of the rosemary, the essential oils. I love those smells. It's sort of like what's in our vape juice. But the issue is. <laughs> Those smells are all kind of cool, but the point is you want this stuff where it's doing its job, which is underneath the leaf on top of the mite's cuticle. And so everything you can do to keep it focused right there is awesome. But, again, we're not we're not talking anything horrible like some field workers in India or somewhere in the, you know, Europe, Middle East or Africa where somebody is or most Middle East and Africa where we didn't have any worker safety in place and people back, especially back in the, 60s and 70s where we had a lot of really strong organophosphate carbamate you know really nasty skull and crossbones material yeah, and it was so disgusting of... they'd, be, they'd be literally spraying yeah, the fields sure. with the workers on it you know so the planes would come over spray these poisons just on the workers like who gives a shit more will show up next year man 
It was insane. Yeah, I'm happy to say in the world that a lot of that stuff's gone. I've seen it a lot in my career. I've worked my whole career on biological pesticides and safe pesticides. Like sounds like an oxymoron, but safe pesticides like safer soap or right. these uh, you know cuticle disrupting things. Oils are good too. Um, those things are not. They have a great, great one great feature is that they're safe to the worker. And uh, the, one of the bad features is they're not as effective as some of the other stuff, and they usually cost more. So you weigh that in the balance. I go with the karma. Let's go safe. Let's spend a little more money and do it without impacting the world. That's where we want to be because, hey, when we love growing plants like cannabis, uh, we do it for all the right reasons, and we got to take that same karma in the positive direction with every impact we have in the world. Right. That's one of the guys, guys at the top of Grow More, y'all. So remember that when you're voting with your dollars next time. I love it, Dr. Tom. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, Scott, it's always great talking to you, and I hope people can calm down about this one, and uh, we'll move forward. And next time I get on, maybe we'll have some more registered products to tout. <laughs> I appreciate it. You know what? The one thing that I'm not scared to use is that easy wet. You know, just having a good IPM was talking to, you know, one of your biggest cheerleaders, a real great uh, commercial grower named Costa Mesa Steve, who keeps his IPM yep. re- really simple by just using easy wet every three days. He incorporates it with some other foliars that make his plants look even better. And he's just, you know, it's, it's like putting a nice coat of wax on your car, man. Now, I'm not, I'm not using that literally, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. You're caring for it, yep. man, and, uh, and you don't have any problems. So I, I love it. Yeah, man. it's good. There's, there's a lot of great products, and I appreciate your support on that. And, Scotty, it's always great talking. And anytime I can help, please give a holler. I sure will. You know I will. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Tom. All right. Bye for now. This thing right here, yeah, tell me about it. Is letting all the people know. Ooh, what's that? What burnouts talk about? Yeah, what do they talk about, baby? You know, the chronic. <laughs> Check it out. Ooh, that bug's so scandalous. You hit it too hard, you can't handle this. So you're smoking that thing, then you pass it to us. With that look in your eyes, so devious. Uh, you inhale with all you got. Suck it down hard till you're seeing dots And your body's on the ground but your mind is not Cause you're living la vida smoker Now you high as a kite, kite, kite Been talking all night, night, night All night long, all night long. Let me hit that bong Baby That bong, the bong, bong, bong I like to roll a blunt, ooh And smoke it in a 5-2 But best of all Is that bong, the bong, bong, bong you know you love that cannabis So pull up a chair and come smoke with us They call me Crisco, I get baked so much I like to hotbox my tour bus uh, Puff up, give till it's 420 This stuff ain't cheap, I need more money But when I buy that green, I got the best they got Cause I'm living la vida smoker Now I'm high as a kite, kite, kite I've been talking all night, night, night All night long, all night long. Let me hit that song Baby Bong, 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 bong. I like to roll a blunt, ooh, and smoke it in a pipe too. But best of all is that bong, 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 bong. <laughs> What's up, growers? Doing a little, I, I don't know, should we call it a grower sit-in? We're hanging with Wes Burke from Emerald Scientific on his way out to the, the trade show in Vegas. Or should we just call this uh, almost? It's almost like dropping some science. It is, bit. man. I hate to step on Jake's toes, man, but we are dropping a little science here, man. He'll forgive us. He'll forgive us, man. <laughs> How's it going, Wes? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for your time today. 
Oh hell yeah, man! I mean, first off, Wes is going over. The, Wes is is. Uh, what are you doing? What's your role with the conference, man? Are you the chief, man? What's going on with that? Well, I'm the vice president of Emerald Scientific, and, and we're hosting the event in Las Vegas. It's our second annual. Uh, we call it the Emerald Conference, and it's really a, a conference exploring the science of cannabis. Uh, heavy, pretty heavy leaning on, on analytical science, so it's, it's great for uh, lab directors um, and, and scientists' research and development. It's also really good, I think, for growers because... We've got to get growers involved in this move to legitimize the industry, and we've got to get more people to understand the importance of uh, quality testing and testing programs. Yeah, we, we called West, we reached out to West because of this whole guardian scare that's gone on recently. We tried to find the people that might know the science that could answer some of the questions for us. Uh, we've talked to uh, I've talked to actually a couple of entomologists. And one of them was kind of negative. You know, she's a, a world-class entomologist. I'll leave her nameless. <clears throat> but she was kind of negative about our industry. And she was saying, man, we're still doing so much dumb stuff. And, you know, as to where there's a lot of other industries, you know, she goes into the wine, you know, the grape industry, the California grape industry for wine, uh, just as one example. And they're super progressive. They're super advanced. You know, they know about the soil biologies. They're getting, uh, you know, analysis done all the time. And to see some of the, tri- you know, the cheap tricks that are going on in cannabis, it, it really is a disservice to our industry as we're, you know, trying to legitimize, man. So. That's true, and you know, the lab testing um, in, in a lot of different industries is is the norm, and a lot of those industries are mature enough that there's lots of really good regulation and um, and governance over the testing industry. So there's more standardization, and we're still kind of in the cannabis industry. We're still kind of in the wild west in in terms of testing because testing is not regulated in only uh, in only but a couple states at this point. So. Um, there, there's not a lot of uh, consistency in what's going on. And furthermore, the, the plan itself, you know, with 400 or so um, known compounds, is, it's very difficult to know what we ought to even be looking at in the first place. Yeah, I've seen some odd testing before. I've just seen, you know, some, I could go grab the jar now, but some dispensary, and it's like this 31% THC. I'm like, damn, this is 30, you know, I mean, that was, that's, 10 points uh, above what the world record holder White Rhino was 10 years ago, you know, at 21%. That's that's pretty crazy number just to have sitting around. Yeah, and the obvious question is, are those test results legitimate or not? And right. clearly within, within the industry, since there's no standardization and not much governance over policies and procedures with the labs, you know, it, it's possible that a lab could be generating inaccurate results simply to capture market share. And we certainly think that that's going on. And well, as we work our way through these issues in the talks, we'll, we'll talk about some ways that people can gain a little better reliability uh, regarding the results of the of the lab testing that they choose to have done. Right on. I want to back up a little bit to, um, I don't want to say back up, just I'll, I'll, I'll get in here with the Guardian issue. Um, obviously, the best way... The, the easiest way, because I know you, you, it would be ideal for growers to be testing product, testing product they're getting. Sometimes that's a financial issue. Other times it's an inconvenience. If you're growing your own and you know you're the only one that did the inputs into that garden, you obviously don't need any testing because you're the grower. Um, that's why we push grow your own. If it's an option, 
as as we're going to be seeing prohibition falling, more people are going to be getting cannabis from all types of other sources. So definitely standardization needs to happen. But I was kind of curious uh, with the what was it called? The iver, ivermectin was what was found out there in Oregon. And a lot of you know people are, who can anybody come up and say because I'm over on WebMD and they're talking about you know taking ivermectin orally into the body to, to take care of problems in a beneficial manner. Now I know nobody's tested what happens if we smoke, inhale, or do whatever with ivermectin. But what if that test was done and to say, you know what, actually, it doesn't do anything bad to you at all. It, That's the problem is nobody's done unknown, the, nobody's right? done the tests though, man. Until somebody spends the you know two million dollars to do those tests in the two two years, I mean that's when you'll know. And but until that time, man, we you can't put it in no product, man. Oh, I agree. I'm not promoting saying, hey, this is this is okay just to throw into the product. I'm just talking about the fact that it some it, it would be interesting to hear that it was. It was harmless, and then yet this is still what was a really good product. But I, I, yeah, I'm totally not saying go with an unknown. We can't, we can't go there. But right. it's, it's kind of crazy, and we'll see. We'll have less unknowns as more testing and and things go on that we can do, not being a scheduled one. But well, I, I think there's a couple lessons here. I mean, first of all, it, it's simply not a compound that's on the approved list of pesticides in Oregon. And that list right now, I think, is about 200 compounds deep. So there's plenty of stuff that has been yeah. studied and that is approved. But I think there's a bigger issue here. And that is that many growers were relying on this product to be as labeled and, and organic, if I understand correctly. Sure, sure. Now, it turns out that it's not that at all. And, dude, you mentioned a minute ago that... Um, you know, home growers, we don't need the test because we're growing and we know what's on our stuff and we don't need to worry about it. But this is a classic example of why that's not accurate. Until this industry True. has a higher level of re regulation and we can trust in the products that we're buying and know if it says organic and it's actually organic, then it does make a lot of sense for us to go ahead and test our product just to make sure not only that one of the organic um, or the products that we're using is actually organic, but there are other issues that come up in a grow. For example, myotoxins is a big one, and that's the, the compound that's created through mold or mildew. And it's certainly feasible as a home grower that you can have beautiful flowers and not see any visible evidence that you've got a mold or mildew issue, but you could, you could have mold or mildew, and that creates myotoxins in the flower, and is something that you don't want to be inhaling and you certainly don't want to be ingesting after the product has been concentrated because when you concentrate the, the product, not only are you concentrating the, the cannabinoids, you're also concentrating myotoxins, pesticides, anything else that's in those flowers. So you're getting a concentrated level of that stuff when you consume it. Well, I have to do a correction now. You just made me realize I said if you're a home grower... You don't have to do testing, but yet I used Guardian in confidence of the ingredients I was told what was in there really wasn't, you know. So I, I went through with the grow, my outdoor grow. A couple times I used Guardian to deal with hemp russet mites. I was out there at the Fogmaster Junior, just no protection at all, which, again, is kind of an unknown as far as, you know, I know when you're using some other 
chemicals or compounds. I'm not going to say this is a harsh one. You're supposed to have a respirator, a full body suit, all kinds of stuff going on. So you're right. I, I, I put my trust in, uh, in other companies. And if I would have tested, potentially it might have not been in the flower. We know it's in the liquid form. It might have not been in the flower after seeing UV and sun and all that for weeks at end after I used it. But regardless, uh, yeah, it, it is a good idea to test. But I mentioned a comment on over on uh, YouTube that how can we – you can't expect us as growers. We have to have a certain degree of trust in the products we're using. We're not going to be sending them to labs and testing. And what is really in this spray and what is really in this spray? we got to rely on other people to be doing that, I, I suppose. Real quick to jump in, my entomologist friend had told me that – she was kind of like, yo, this is what you get when you use a non-EPA-registered pesticide. She was like, there's a reason why the EPA calls for pesticides to be registered through the EPA. And it takes a long time to get registered. They make you prove that that shit works on each crop you're going to register it for. It's going to cost you a fucking fortune, man. And uh, this did not have an EPA registration, man. And that's a big deal. No, yeah, she said that if this was in any other industry, there would be lawsuits up the ass, man. They'd be suing like crazy. You know, if you fucking ruined two million dollars worth of blueberries, expect to get freaking see in court. <laughs> well, and Guardian very well may find themselves there. I mean, this is made made the mainstream press in Oregon. This is a big deal, and there's there's most likely going to be repercussions to this. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, because they, you, you can't let people do this and get away with it. You know, I know one of the, the guys involved, man. He's a real nice guy. He got duped by, a, you know, I do believe he got duped by somebody. You know, at least I'll choose to believe that. Um, you know, I feel bad that he's going to have a, a bunch of lawsuits on his hands. But golly, man, that's a, it's a hell of a thing to do. And you can't, you've got to really discourage people from doing that, man, or else everyone else will be doing it. They were, he must have gotten a trick from PM Wash. That fucking does it, you know, or I don't say, you know, whatever all those washes are, you know, they're just loaded with pyrethum. Shit, is that what the PM stands for, man? <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not sure, to be honest. But I'm not the, I'm not the chemist of the bunch, but, uh, you know, I, I do think that this, you know, just sheds more light on, on the subject, and it's, it's good and bad. It's, it's a mixed bag, because, like I said, it, it doesn't make our industry look good. But hopefully it will inspire the good players within our industry to recognize the importance for standardization in the realm of testing so that we can not get these problems behind us. I mean, you guys in Colorado have had a fair amount of issues with recalls on, on edibles. Oh, yeah. And, you know, so, you, you know, this is, it, it is a big deal. And what we really need is we need reliability within the testing industry. So right now, you, you know, you theoretically you can send your flowers to a lab and you can get a result, and then you can send it to a different lab, and you can get wildly different results. Yeah, I mean, who do and you trust, man? That's the problem within our industry that we've got to clean up. And right now, we have a narrow window of opportunity to kind of um, demonstrate self-regulation and do it in a way that's in the best in, in the best interest of the industry, rather than let bureaucracies force these things down our throat because they certainly know much less about our industry than we do. And it, when they come and start to regulate, they they create challenges in their regulations that are not economical, that don't make sense, that are not in the good of the ultimate consumer. So the more that we can do this on our own while we have this opportunity, to the, the better. And there are, a few, there are a few things that I think growers should understand 
about labs that will empower their decision-making relative to what labs they want to use. So, um, you know, in the science world, it's it, especially in analytical um, sciences testing, um, it's very common that testing labs must participate in what's called a proficiency test. Well, are we getting into here, sorry, earlier you were talking about a lot of different results with, from different labs, right. whether it's potency or whatever. And how can we, yeah, how, are you guys trying to get in a standardization like with this conference and get a group together and, and like who can you trust? Will a certain lab be part of like, you know, have this stamp of approval or how, how will it work? I've been tempted if I had more money to throw around to get my exact same flower tested at four different labs here in Denver just to see. You know, out of my own curiosity, and I know it would be a little bit, uh, maybe a lot different. I've heard a lot of different things, but yeah, how do you figure? How do you standardize that? Well, I mean, it's tough. There are some there's some organizations out there that in other industries like food safety and water that they kind of govern the um, the standard operating procedure for labs. ISO is the International Standards Organization, and they have all of these different criteria that labs can voluntarily participate, voluntarily participate in, and they can gain certifications. So for labs, for example, and they gain ISO 17043, and that basically says that they follow this organization's policies and procedures, and they've demonstrated proficiency and capacity in what they do. One of the components in that demonstration is a proficiency test, and that's basically where an independent third party will send a, a blind sample to a lab. Now, the blind sample is manufactured to very um, precise uh, quantities of whatever compound is being tested for, but the lab that's participating in this proficiency test has no idea at what levels those compounds exist. So basically, they submit their results and then they're graded on their results. And some proficiency tests take it a step further it involves what's called an interlaboratory comparison, where this proficiency test may be sent to 10, 15, 20, 50, 100 labs. And then the results of all of those labs are anonymized, and the industry gets to benefit from seeing how all of the labs in the industry are performing. Now, we have conducted um, interlab proficiency tests for the cannabis lab industry over the course of the last 12 or 18 months. And some really incredible results have come out of that. Uh, That's pretty neat. Like you're you're just sending out. So the proficiency test is going to be. It's going to come from another lab that it's like setting a standard, like almost with like the state or something, to go out and test. uh, Man, I don't have an analogy. Scott, you're the king king of analogies (laughs) when you're sending stuff out there. Uh, But then they're also taking. You said an average. They'll go out and grab a whole bunch of tests. And then make them all not like that's pretty interesting. So wait, you said the lab that gives the proficiency test. Who, who whose lab would that be? What type of equipment? It's not is that? a. It's not a. It's not a lab. It's a chemical manufacturing company that okay. creates okay. what's called a, a, a standard or a reagent. And it's uh, like with us because of the DEA regulations with THC, we can't send flower samples because you can't mail that stuff across state lines. But we can participate with the manufacturers of cannabinoid um, reagents or standards that make these make these compounds and we you know they're suspended in uh, in a gas or a methanol and they are then shipped with the DEA exemption to all the labs that participate and like I said they're made to very acute um, 
levels, and it's those levels are known only by the manufacturer of those standards. In fact, these tests that we uh, are managing, we don't even know what's in the sample until all of the results are in, and then we see with the labs um, what you know what was actually in the sample and how all the labs performed. But all of this is done anonymously, and that's a really important thing for the labs because yeah. if Lab X participates and does very poorly, the goal here is not to tell the world that Lab X doesn't have their act together. The goal is for Lab X to realize they've got a problem and to, and to solve it. And so what we're doing is bringing up the performance of all the labs that participate in these programs. Now, we've taken it a step farther, and uh, we've offered a uh, badge program. And based on certain performance criteria, these labs can earn badges in the different categories of tests that we offer. And our goal there is to make everyone, the consumer, growers, lab owners, aware that this badge that proves that a lab is first of all, willing to do, willing to take the step to ensure that their procedures are solid. And, and secondly, if they do well, then they can use that uh, in their marketing to demonstrate, you know, um, to their clients that they're reliable. Yeah. No, I, I like, I mean, I definitely with ever of all the, if you will, hoopla that's been going on, we need uh, something to rely on for, for consistency and especially if you're a consumer that is going to be, as we move forward, seeing more and more product coming from all over the place, eventually maybe Philip Morris, who knows. And, yeah, you want to, you want to know with what you're inhaling. It's It's been, I don't want to say badged, but are certified, but it's just, you know, Reliably quality tested, yeah. True, yeah. Really, yeah, there you go. So, I mean, what, what do they use? I mean, is there one specific, as you're using these different uh, labs, is there one reliable, you know, is there gas chromatography? I think there's liquid chromatography, right? Is one of them right. proving to be better for cannabis? And is there, like, you know, a standard being set up? You know, even like I remember when people were doing CO2 labs a couple of years ago, they didn't, it wasn't like they could look to other you know, oh, you know, they've been doing this for the last 20 years. Here, here's the CO2 extraction guy from Denver. You know, they everybody was just getting their feet wet in it, man. So there was some some growing pains, man. Is uh, Have they figured out the right testing equipment for this stuff? No. In fact, it's, it's kind of the Wild West in, in that arena, too. So there's a there's a, a great debate. The two most common are liquid chromatography and, and uh, gas chromatography. Oh, shit. Like that's as old as East Coast and West Coast, baby. I'm all <laughs> well, about that, the, man. The stuff has gotten a little more sophisticated now. I mean, it, it's typically uh, HPLC and, and GC, and the, the debate relative to that talks on, uh, touches on an issue that you guys talked a little bit about the other day, which is decarboxylation. So the reality, and I'm going to correct you just a little bit here from the other day, Scotty. The reality Let me is learn, brother. <laughs> on, on a, when, a, when, a, when a bud is formed, the flowers contain the acidic form of THC. So it's THCA. Got it. And very, very low quantities of THC Delta 9. In fact, it's not made by the plant. It's only converted from THCA. And that conversion happens through a variety of methods, age, time, exposure to air, but mostly from heat. So when heat is applied, that decarboxylation is instantaneous. Now, in, uh, in an HPLC machine, for example, they can, uh, no heat is used in, in that chromatography process, so they can actually test levels of 
THC Delta 9 and THCA. In gas chromatography, the sample, while the chromatograph is running, reaches a, a high, high enough temperature to decarboxylate. So the guys that are using G, GC say, well, we can't tell you how much PC or THCA there is, but we can give you an accurate Delta 9 reading because all the THCA is converted in the, in the process. And the guys that are running HPLC say, well, we don't know if that's valid or not, and you may not be giving accurate potency results because of that. So right. the, last, the last proficiency test that we ran had four compounds in it, THCA, THC Delta 9, CBD, and CBN. And uh, what the results of that test demonstrated was that, in fact, uh, HPLC has a more accurate reading cumulatively than GC. So there's something going on in that conversion, in that decarboxylation process that is causing labs with GC to have less consistent results than labs with HPLC. Yeah, I'm looking can at you, Can I, you break Wait a minute. Can you break just can you break that down one more time in a nutshell but only in about 15 seconds cuz I want to soak it all up real quick. <laughs> that luck, was just man. like a full on breakdown. Thanks was. I'm just I'm just hassling you. I was like, "Damn. All right. Hey, to list, that's what, what you get when you you invite someone to drop in science, man, all right? I agree. It's, I agree. You're, <laughs> you're you're doing us proud, man. You know, you're doing Jake proud. I'm looking I I got a uh a something from a dispensary here. It's measured THC uh, 37%, it says, all right? THCA, 30.04, DTHC, NT, I guess not tested. CBD, not tested. That's crazy. Is that what NT means? Um, I'm assuming that that's what NT yeah, means. So yeah, so CBD, not tested. CBDA, 0.6, and CBDN. So that's what this got tested for at a, at a lab in, in Denver. So, so I, I'm not sure I followed that completely steady, but it sounds like what they did was HPLC, and they gave you uh, they gave you uh, THCA versus THC Delta Nine because it was probably a raw flower sample. Yes. Yeah. So see the 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 THC is not decarboxylated, so all you've got theoretically on those flowers is THCA. Now. Technically, that should all decarboxylate and translate into roughly the same percentage of THC Delta 9. Well, when you smoke but it? With the, with the lighter, you're saying? When you smoke it, yeah. When you smoke it, it, when you vape it, or if you bake it. Right, because they do decarboxylate at like 220 degrees or something like that, right? It's a lower temperature. It's not a high temperature. Yeah, it, no, it is. It's a lower temperature. In fact, it may even be lower than that. I, forgive me, I don't remember the exact temperature, but it's it's me a relatively either. low. It's a relatively low temperature. And you know, guys that are doing uh, extractions. I mean, I I I, uh, I own the magical butter machine, and I, I've used that to make tinctures and such at home. In fact, I put a post on your boards about it. And Good, I just got I, one. If, I, if oh, they're awesome. You're gonna love that thing. Oh, but right. if you want, if you want to have. Um, a compound that will inebriate you, then you really need to decarboxylate it first, especially if you're doing a, a low temperature extraction. Like with ethanol, you can do, you know, 130 degrees. It really doesn't even need heat. So you, you have the option to take your flour and create medicine that doesn't have hardly any THC Delta 9 in it 
And it can still have tremendous medical impacts, but without the intoxication. Now, if you want the intoxication, you need to throw the flour in the oven. You mean the inebriation? <laughs> inebriation, yeah. Yes. You need to you need to get uh, you need to get that stuff decarbed, and you can do it in the oven. And there's lots of different formulas. You know, 240 degrees for 30 minutes seems to work just fine for me. But there's all sorts of different formulas where you ramp the temperature up, and use different. Uh, different time settings on it. But that's all a part of the decarboxylation process. And, you know, to bring us back to point, it's one of the debates that's raging over this particular plant relative to testing and the accuracy of GC versus HGLC. Got it, man. Got it. Well, I'm all about GC, you, man. You know what I'm saying? Do you have it? Do you I, have it? Because I can just cover up the D on my hat and just be a, a GC guy, man, you know? <laughs> all right man all right yeah man all right i got you and i really do believe that as we move forward man somebody's got to have some kind of a certification here i know you guys are you have this badge program the emerald test and badge program we really do need to step up and and start self-certifying because i'm from ag you know i spent a few years in ag i should say and it, it ain't pretty when the government regulators come around. It's a pain in the ass. Even ask uh, uh, our boys over at Jonathan and Leandro over at RX Green Solutions. Those guys are saving their fan leaves and weighing them and documenting them you know, because they're so fucking heavily regulated. And it can certainly take the fun out of shit, man. So I say, yeah, and that's what's around the corner. And in fact, the first the, the first round of regs in, in the nation um, demanded in one particular state that a lab had to participate in a proficiency test, and that was before a proficiency test for this industry existed. Right. So that's the kind of thing that the regulators do, and we really, we've got a short window here. If we all pull together and we demonstrate the, the right things here, if we, if we create our own programs and demonstrate to the regulators that these are solid programs, reliable programs, then they will lean on us when it comes time to create the regulations, and that's what we want. Yeah, I agree. That would be nice uh, as far as I don't know. You said so when it, sorry when you go full 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 regs with our full regulation done, prohibition done, everything's good with the feds. You're hoping that the leaning is going to come in the research that's already been done and everything that's been done and that's in place. Well, I don't well, even know start- about fe- federal legalization. I think we need to step way before that. We need to act now, bro. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I know. I mean, that's what this conference, that's what everything is going on is trying to act now. But it kind of reminds me, do you worry that, you know, once, you know, uh, what, do, you, do you, in a nutshell, do you assume that the feds are going to schedule it, uh, not schedule one soon enough, and that prohibition will be over in all 50 states within... X amount of time, which isn't too long. I, I think before before we get there, we're going to see a lot of states <laughs> regulating labs. And the more that we can do to demonstrate that there are existing programs that they should rely upon, the better off we'll be. I think the, I mean, my personal opinion is that the federal rescheduling and, and deregulation is, is further down the line. And in the meantime, we're likely to have six, eight, ten, twelve states come on with either new um, medical laws or new recreational laws. And when they do that, they are going to write regulations that govern labs. Yeah. And through through the existing 
um, organizations like IFO standardization and through hopefully programs like this proficiency test that I'm describing, you know, we can, we can demonstrate to those regulators that these are reliable programs and they can regulate around those rather than writing regs from, regs from scratch and putting things in there that are impossible for a lab to adhere to. Well, and the bottom line is between now and, you know, there, there's no time to look bad. You know, we can't have news stories coming out. The things that's happened in Oregon uh, are, you know, everywhere with to some degree. With, with Guardian, we had, you know, a local store pulled off its shelves. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, we, yeah, so you doing, doing the groundwork you're doing is great uh, to try and prevent, you know, these negative stories. Who knows that if it can influence voters, it can influence elections. The more shit that hits the media that's bad is no good. So yeah, standardization and testing is is a good thing to to get to get happening more and more. Yeah, so. think think about legalization trying to go to, through other states. Okay, if the reports coming are coming out that say, oh, Colorado's expected to you know sell a billion dollars in legal cannabis this year, you know all the tax money we're going to make. That's one story. Then another story is you know uh, you know. A seizure, anti-seizure medicine uh, found to have, you know, uh, toxins in it, you know, or lo- loaded, loaded with pesticides from cannabis growers. If those stories start getting out, you know, kid dies or kid gets sick, you know, from his anti-seizure CBD oil, we got fucking huge problems, man. You, yeah. know, you want to talk about something stalling out legalization, bro? Bra. So that's what I'm at. That's what I'm advocating. That everybody involved in this industry, from growers to dispensaries, test, test, test. But in so doing, figure out which labs are reliable, which labs are are obtaining the ISO certifications, which labs are participating in proficiency testing, and make sure that you're using labs that are dependable and reliable and are in it for the right reasons so that together we can prove that this industry is and can be safe and dependable. Yeah, 100%. Agree, I'm I'm right there with you. Needs to be, needs to be. You said, Scotty, you said... uh, you said bra, bra. Has anybody has anybody seen the new point breaking? <laughs> I I'm looking gonna, for a I, review. I knew you were going to go there, man. I just watched <laughs> yeah, the old one with you. Reminded kid, me, man. I read bad reviews online, so I almost didn't go. I was going to take my 12 uh, year old boy, and even though it's PG 13, but uh, the reviews Whoa, look at me you, rebel. Do it. I heard man, it wasn't as it. good as the first one. The first one was pretty epic. Come on, how could it be as good as the first one? Come on now. Totally, yeah, man, okay. Brody. What's up, Brody? Utah, anyway. make it two. <laughs> make it two. Well, Wes, thanks for taking the time, man. Let's uh, let us know how this conference goes, man. Hopefully, we can we'll get you back on, and it, I'm sure you're gonna uh, have a good time there in Vegas uh, at the conference. And just uh, yeah, give us a holler and give us some feedback. Do you have? If I don't know, you you can you can claim mute on it. Do you do you have? A, are you part of the the medical system in California? Yeah, yeah, I have a medical card, and I. So I, I heard Las Vegas bit. honors all states, right? Yeah, that's true. I'm taking my card with me out there just. Hell case. yeah, that's right. all I was getting at. Yeah, <laughs> it's really fun to get super stoned and then talk science, man. Hell yeah, I give it a shot. I can't do it. I can't, that's what I mean, man. Capacity. Good luck, it's man. It's all I can do. To, it's all I can do to hang with you guys right now. I'm gonna get super stoned and I do math problems, man. You know. <laughs> hey, it can work. It can go really bad, but it can work. Well. <laughs> It depends on what music you listen to. Save that shit for after 420, man, even at the convention, man. 
Yeah, I'm a, I'm a deadhead, a fishhead. I, I went to school out there in Colorado by you guys, so I fell in love with, you know, bands like String Cheese and Big Head Todd and all that good stuff. Sure, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where'd you go to school at? Uh, University of Colorado in Boulder. Very cool, man. That's a really cool scene over there. Beautiful yeah, place, I, man. I loved it, and I miss it. Well, <laughs> guys, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you letting me avenge your ear on this stuff and the exposure that uh, that the conference has gotten from your show, but also just for uh, you know helping sharing uh, sharing these issues with your with your audience. I think it's important. Yeah, man, I dig what you're doing, man. As the dude would say, I dig your style, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Right on. Take it easy, Wes. Thanks for hanging out, brother. All yeah. right, cheers, guys. Later. Bye-bye. All right, all right. You can tell on that, I was like, damn, man. Like, I had to, uh, every once in a while, I it's admittedly, I mean, not for too long, for just a minute, zone out a little because I felt like I was back in school. Well, the you scientists know? are coming, man. You know, we've taken this plant you know, pretty goddamn far. But, you know, big science is coming. Guys like Dr. Tom and, and, uh, and Wes, you know, these are legitimate scientists that see an opportunity in this boom, this cannabis boom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what's going on in our grows is brought to you by way to grow If you guys want to hook up Colorado Grower 7 stores, if anything, hop on over there, get a CO2 refill for six ninety five. Or use Dude Grow's account. Even if you have an account, man, helps us out, helps us show them we're legit. They know we're legit. We got a studio <laughs> up over in uh, the Fort Collins store, but good company, good grow store. Uh, seven locations, like I said, one up in the mountains in Silverthorn. Or use the Dude Grow's bulb deal. That's a thousand watt Hortilux HPS bulb for sixty dollars any time of the year, as many as you want, even a truck, truckload, man, get a truckload of them bitches. And they do not ship, as we've said before. People have been approaching him saying, man, I want that bulb deal. Can you send one to me in Alabama? It's like, gosh. Man. They're way more focused on the, I mean, go ahead. That's a great company. You said good company, good grow store. That's a great company, man, and a great grow store. It's a grow store that has everything you need from top to bottom to, to, you know, to build a grow and to maintain it. Dude, the people that work there are fucking knowledgeable as hell, man. And, uh, yeah, it's just solid as hell uh, from, from the owner. From the, we, we're friendly with the owner, man. You know, I mean, from the ownership down, it's good people, man. So, like I said to Dr. Tom before, man, we vote with our dollars. If Dr. Tom is the one giving you good information and hopping on to, to, you know, to talk to you about and bring facts to you, uh, guys like Wes as well, that's the people I choose to support, man. You know, when I can buy two, two or three different yeah. silicas out there, I choose to buy Grow More Silica, A, because it's a good product at a good value, but because it supports guys like Jake and Dr. Tom, who in turn support us, man. So I'm down, man. Hell yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about what's going on in our grows. You heard I had my digital ballast interference and I'm curious if I buy this new device, if it would have interference as well. Either way, I'm willing to hang that bitch up and get myself just an old school magnetic. I don't care. As one of my friends says up in the mountains, typically his scenario on most things in life are, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> uh, I got the RX additives in, guys. Bloom Room, RX Bloom Room, as I'll call it. It has the two Island Sweet Skunks in it again. In seven-gallon containers, I believe last time I had them in ten-gallon containers. I really don't think it's going to make a huge difference, uh, as we've seen from uh, the commercial grow that Moby Dill's working at. They use two-gallon containers and get some huge nugs. It's all about making sure they're watered 
all the time and get everything they you know, want. It's all about cutting down your bench like time more when roots. you talk commercial grow, man. That's why they do that shit. Well, I got the additive. <clears throat> I'm going to run the room this time. Well, the ISS that just came out of it, by the way, is is curing right now. I still need to trim the sugar leaf off. I was in a, uh, a bind uh, running out of time to get out of town, so I did quick tip here. Scott's got some good curing bags over at realgrowers.com, reusable, odor-proof, great foil bags in a few different yeah. sizes, up to one that holds a, a, at least a pound, depending on the density or nugs, if not more. But the turkey bags aren't bad, man. In a bind, uh, I picked up the turkey bags. These clear bags, are the grocery stores here carry them. <clears throat> just, uh, I just chopped up, um, it's, you know, six foot in, foot lengths, whatever, the flour or, you know, the flour on stem, kept it on stem, threw it in the turkey bags, tied them off. And I'm like, shit, that's good. Enough. I mean, that's not going to affect the cure at all. That's fine. That might even help the cure. So in a, in a pinch, you don't have to get the plants fully trimmed up. I did remove all the fan leaves. You don't even have to do that if you don't want to. That'll even give you a longer cure. That's a good tip for people that are trying to dry. If you're drying too fast, you know, if your, your, your plants are just drying too fast, which can, you know, give you negative taste, um, et cetera, leave as much flour as you can on stem when you're trimming them. Don't use a drying rack. Don't chop all your flour up. Leave as much as you can on big pieces of stem because there's moisture in there, right? As well as if you can bear the trimming, which some people say they don't think it makes it any worse, leave all the leaves on. The water in those leaves are also going to slow your, your, your drying time, right. you know? So, I mean, even if you have to take the whole plant, try taking the whole damn plant. If you know, cut it in one piece, if you can handle it, and just hang up the plant. That will extend, you know, it's going to have all the moisture in the trunk. Uh, down low, it's going to—it's really going to extend your drying time versus if you just had a little, let's say, you know, you cut off like the worst is cutting a flower off, throwing a drying rack, which you're getting it dried in like three days or something. I, I've had my dry before. I put stuff in a cure jar, take up to two weeks if it, that was during a rainy week because the humidity was high. But like right now in Colorado, the humidity is jack, like there's none. So it's really good to uh, have big old chunks when you're when you're trying to slow dry your herd. Right. Yes, I know. Jalapenos. Yeah, man, you got me thinking. You All ever right. seen that Flex Seal commercial on TV? I'll bet you haven't because you don't have a TV. It's what commercial? Flex Seal, and the guy takes out a John boat, and then he puts a screen door on the bottom of it, and he sprays it with Flex Seal. It's like this rubberizer coating. But I'm thinking, like, if you could have, like, a rubberized grow tent, and it was something where you could hang your buds in, leave it open for a while, and then seal it up to where it was completely sealed, where it was like almost like a cure tent. That'd be fucking cool, wouldn't it? I wouldn't want to spray rub, you know, can yeah. rubber from a can inside there because it's going to give your buds a little interesting smell. But, the, you know, the concept is maybe if they <laughs> maybe make, you know, guys like Gorilla Grow, maybe they could, like, metalize. That's all those, those stealth storage bags that I sell. They're metalized inside. They've got, like, a thin layer of metal, and that's what keeps the, uh, the, the odors out. And so I'm thinking that if they could do that same thing, I guess they kind of they do, right? Like Gorilla Grow tents are metalized inside. Would they hold moisture? You think? I, I believe bet you they would. I'm just wondering why why you can't. I mean, just, to a degree, yeah, they hold the humidity in yeah, it. Yeah, just leave not. it in a you know make a, a cure tent from like a Gorilla Grow tent, and uh, you know just keep the humidity in there. And then I wonder if you could hold the humidity in there at like fifty percent to cure at. What do you think? Was it six six? You can definitely people have right? have have cure rooms and tents to control their environment. Luckily, my my dry room is uh, really low temperature. Typically, all see. I mean, it, it gets down to sixty sometimes, and it's that helps as well. But like you say, and having a, a higher humidity 
you know, want to be careful with it. But yeah, that would definitely help. I mean, you go through all the hard work of the whole the whole grow, and people go, man, that's a lot. I don't do I really need a whole like little room or area depending on the volume of material you have. And, and yes, you do. That's what you saw. We saw at RX Green Solutions. I mean, they had a legit dehumidifier in there, a mini split AC dedicated to the you know keeping the cure room at this you know really per, well, the drying room at the humidity. The drying, they were curing in in buckets. yeah. Sorry, drying drying right. What yeah, I'm and cure, you're cure and what, what I'm wondering sure. is if you can't dry in a room and then seal it up like a big giant Rubbermaid container, basically. You know, my buddy <laughs> just harvested a shitload out in uh, California. I, I think he just put it all in Rubbermaid containers. He's got you know hundreds of pounds he's rolling through as the you know, as the months go by. But at least it's all curing in there. You know, I wonder if you could do the same thing. Well, I think. If you had enough in a sealed room. Yeah, because uh, keep that last little bit of moisture in there is all I'm saying. I got off point a little lastly with the Grow More additive. So I'll report the weight of using the, the, no, sorry, Grow More, (laughs) RX additives. I reported that I'm going to give you the weight of using just their A and B and recharge. Now I'm going to add in their additive energy, uh, which is kelp, yucca, and humates. It's got an MPK rating of a 301. And kelp, you know, we all kelp is good for everything. Got to love the kelp. As well as I'm going to add at the proper times, they have a PK booster, which is a 0-12-3. And then we can do a good comparison with, hey, same bulb, same genetics. We had these two additives. What did it do? And I've seen, we saw out at the commercial grow, which, guys, we're going to release those videos here. We have some videos from RX in the members area that we're going to get out within the next day or so. Uh and you could see their trials. You could definitely see. And it wasn't, like, mind-blowing. But when they, they added their PK booster, it was doing great. And it was doing better than a lot of the other uh, PK boosters they were testing against, which we didn't know which one they were because we don't know the, the color-coded secretness of what they're using on their <laughs> trials. But you you will know from me. I'll be reporting so far. I'm, I'm, loving, I'm loving the quality I'm seeing in there. What do you got going on in your grow, man? You talked a little bit about you kind of getting things dialed. I, I, I needed some DGC cuts. Scotty failed me. What's up? <laughs> you know, what man, heck? I didn't have the room set up. I had construction works, you know, workers in here or a worker in here all week. I think up till last week we just finished it up. And then I didn't want to fire everything up because I just was in the cloning stage where I'd just taken cuts. So I just left, like, one light on. And what happened was it got really cold in here, and the environment totally changed. You know, I'm so used to having this thing fired up as an eight lighter, air conditioning and rolling, you know, everything, you know, running. And the environment changed when I just had one light and all of a sudden it got too cold. I, you know, I was left for Florida. Um, I was in uh, somewhere else before that. I think I came home from I was I was literally home for about 18 hours. I came home from my ski trip, cut some took some cuts left for Florida for six days and came back. And it was right around the time Digger was doing his cuts. Digger's cuts rooted in seven days, which, by the way, he's got a great video on, uh, on DudeTube that's uh, all about uh, how he does his clones. And, of course, he real meticulous, you know, cleaning uh, his scissors with alcohol before he takes cuts. And that kind of meticulous nature is what gets you 100% and what gets you, you know, fat roots in seven days. You know, as to where you can take all sorts of shortcuts, but each one of them, you know, slows you down a little bit, lowers your percentage a little bit. And so, yeah, just think about that, man. Take a couple hours out and clone the right way, man. But uh, 
Yeah, cool. anyway, man, so I just took some cuts, but it was way too cold, man. So uh, they just slowed to a crawl. I actually, when I went back in and, and checked it out, I, I remembered that uh, uh, I went to the seed lab before, and they take rooted clones and then put them in like a plastic, you know, like a freeze-dried kind of plastic bag, like a... What do they call those, man? When you suck all the air out of the... Like a freezer bag kind of thing. And then they, they, they would just put them in a refrigerator. And they could keep a clone alive for fucking years like that. And because they would just slow the metabolism <laughs> down. And I thought about it. I'm like, dude, it's like 68 degrees in here. It's close to like a refrigerator, man. Not, you know what I mean? It's fucking cold. And it was slowing the clones down big time, man. So kind of classic dumb mistake. But... Dude, if you want to clone, you got to have your environment right, man. You can't be too hot. That's shit for them. If it's 85, 90 degrees, good luck, man. And it can't be too cold. You know, but when you get the environment dialed in, like I was uh, talking with Ag Boy, who showed me these beautiful clones that he did in, in Cocoa Core in seven days. And if you get the environment right where you're misting them all the time and, uh, you know, the, when you cut the... the uh, clone off the plant has no way to get nutrients no way to 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 eat so you start foliar in that with a nice gentle foliar formulation you know a couple times a day oh man they love that man that's sustenance to them man it's throw, throwing them a, a little bread and water man so that that shit works and uh that's the yeah. things that was missing from my cloning setup mr mr busy me man so uh, I'm going to get on it right when I uh, finish this show. Actually, I'm going to go over to Way to Grow, get some nice, fresh, clean clone domes, uh, all nice new. Oh, that's what I got to do, ironically. I looked at my clone dome, and it had the slightest, like, like amber tint right. to it. it. Like I'm like, I don't know. I mean, the lights, the lights, have, it's, that thing's been under the light for too long. I'm going to go get a fresh one, a scalpel. Yep. And I got my RX Life. I'm gonna do the. I'm gonna dip it directly into the Life, as as you have. Just a quick dip. I already have my rock wool soaking in the Life solution, and I'm gonna throw a Green Pad Junior up in there, and I'm gonna see how quick I can give me some roots and makes Scotty feel bad because I'm trying to trade some cuts with another Colorado grower. Straight Nugs, man. He's got some cuts ready for yeah, me, man. and I need to get him a DGC. You getting cut. that white OG? Yes, the white OG. I would like one of those. The problem is coming that. He's got some genetics, and now I'm trying to decide what to keep, man. I, I it's like, damn, I just I don't. I, the it gets to where like I have this purple train rack, and I really it just grows out like a bush. I'm gonna have to take some videos. It doesn't. It grows almost. It seems like it grows out more horizontal, my my pheno, than vertical, nice. which is a pretty cool trait for you know indoor gardening. I don't have height height. I do have height restrictions to an extent. I typically. Um, you know, don't have many issues with it, but it's like, all right, I should keep a cut of that for the hell of it. Worst case scenario, you know, you can always get rid of it at cut if you have an extra cut or two, but I only have so much of edge area and I only have so much bloom area and I got plant counts as well. So sometimes it's hard. I mean, call, I'm not, people are like, yo, listen, dude's whining about his genetic selection, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I like to keep growing different strains. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. That's what makes it fun, bro. All right. All right. I think if you're done, about to put it up in the bag here for uh, episode 195 of Dude Grows Show. Pimp it on over to realgrowers.com. Pick yourself up some uh, whatever you need. Mainly recharge is going to be your number one. Wow, that, that made a difference. As well, uh, or you can go to Amazon. Just search Real Growers yeah. Recharge. 
as well as you new members. I don't always stay on top of it. Uh, new member kit. If you guys are a new member, you haven't heard from me, just say, hey, I'm a new member, man. I'll send you out. I got some Greed Pad Juniors. I got shotgun shells to recharge at two five gallons. I got transport from Optic Foliar. I have a little bit of overgrow. I got, a, I got some shiz around here that I can hook up new members with. I try to send out an, a new member care package, if you will. I mean, it's a no-brainer. You're 995. It's more than 995 in, in, in grow gear. So Nice. Even if you become a member and you say, hey, I can only support them for a month, you still get a little package yeah, for helping man, we, out. Yeah, we I appreciate mean, like anything. Stay on board for a little, a little value bit, for but. value, man. If you got a little bit of extra weed or did a little bit better because of something maybe you learned on the show and you're able to give back, we appreciate it. If you're not, we completely understand, man. Go get them. Yeah, and let's find a new pest control product. I mean, preferably for us, I like to be able to – you know, recommend get my hands on things we can put over in Real Grower's store to help support the show a little. Uh, I'm going to go over that EPA Colorado list and see if anything catches my eye. And, uh, yeah, I go heard from a, there as far as I agree with. Uh, I heard of a pretty cool pest control uh, IPM uh, step, I guess, and that is positive airflow. People are pushing air out of their grow rooms now. So any bugs that would normally come in, you know, like we're, I'm sucking air in through my lights, so I potentially could be sucking uh, bugs out. Well, these guys are, uh, are pushing air constantly out of the room, filtering it and pushing it out of the room. It kind of goes against what I used to do because, you know, or, or what I think, because you, it's really hard to contain the smell if you're pushing air out of every little crack. But... They're sealing the room. You know, yeah. Most of them, you know, it's in a whole house or whatever, so they're using filters in the room and outside the room. But they say that it's a really great way to keep bugs out because you're constantly pressurizing and pushing out, you know, pushing that air out of the room. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right, I got to get out of here, man. I got to go get myself. Like you were saying, I got to run to the, the store here, get a clone dome, scalpel. And uh, take care of some business. To quote so, DMX, man, I got to get mine, man. Good, good. <laughs> right on, guys. We'll be back Friday for the. <laughs> what's up? That was my best DMX imitation, man. No, man, I gotta go get some uh, chicken fingers. All right, before the burn, they're the good I'm ones. Zaxby's, man. See you later. <laughs> later, guys. Check it all out at dudegrows.com. Right, take a easy, dude.